Hewler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio. What's going on, Steelers Nation Radio? 3 o'clock on a Thursday afternoon. That can only mean one thing. It's time to go inside the electric factory for the next three hours here on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler. It's our 180 minutes to pontificate that we call Steelers Blitz. Between us on the show, we have got a uh, decade of experience in the National Football League and a really good head of hair. You should know that by now. You should also know that if you want to chime in anytime over the next three hours, you can find us on Twitter at Wesley Euler at Dabody52. Dabody. Arthur Motes, how are we feeling today on a Thursday? Man, I'm feeling like there's a lot of new money being thrown around. <laughs> That's what I'm feeling like, baby. Did what about we miss yourself? the memo? Because uh, I, I don't know. I checked my emails this morning and I didn't get anything. That today is tight end extension day. I mean, Man. I didn't get the heads up. Did you get the heads up? I, I totally missed that. You know, I, I, I got to check my spam. It's probably in my junk box. That's what probably was going on here, man. <laughs> a whole bunch of money being handed out to uh, a few tight ends. It started uh, with Travis Kelsey, Arthur Motes, and, or sorry, started with George Kittle. Now, Travis Kelsey as well. Uh, so let's go in kind of chronological order here. George Kittle and the 49ers earlier today agreeing to a five year, 70. Five million. And, you know, George Kittle is a big uh, WWE guy. He's a huge fan of The Rock, like you and I. Mm. So I think it's only right that I say George Kittle signed a five-year, $75 million and million-dollar contract. Did George Kittle. Who? Arthur Motes, that's a lot of t- money. That's a lot of, uh, that's a lot of cheddar, a lot of cashola for a tight end. Worth it? I think in, uh, in the case of George Kittle, absolutely, because you look at what uh, Shanahan likes to do with that offense out there, we talk about the West Coast style offense, a lot of crossing patterns and misdirection style plays. The tight end is essentially your number one receiver in that offense. And you saw the the type of impact George Kittle had, not only from a receiving standpoint, but also in the running game. In the West Coast offense, you need to be able to run the ball. And he's a tight end that we talk about not just wins his matchups in the blocking area, but he dominates them. That's a huge plus because a lot of times – you have to pick either or. You either have the receiving threat who can't block or you have the guy who's great at blocking but can't run routes. With George Kittle, man, he's the perfect combination. He does it all. Uh, I like the fact that he was a late-round pick, too. He wasn't one of these first or second-round glamour pick guys. It's a guy that had to get it, you know, starting at, at, at the, the ground level with this thing. He didn't really get anything handed to him yeah. in that department. And I like the fact that he wasn't a guy that – was signed there through free agency or, or came after the fact, like, no, he's homegrown. He, he's endured some of the bad seasons, and now he's finally had a chance to go and play in the Super Bowl and things along that nature. So I think it was a great investment for them. I, I know Jimmy Garoppolo was loving it because that's his number one yeah. target. So you want to keep that guy, and you want to keep him happy. So the fact they're able to do both of those things without absolutely destroying their cap, it's a good situation. I'm with you. I – there's a lot of hot takes out there on this George Kittle deal. Oh, of course it is. You know that. Um, I just heard, you know, I, I have my little lunch break before you and I go on the show here, right? I get a little two hours from the from the early morning and afternoon shows to eat some lunch and kind of do some prep work for our show. Hopped in the car, went down the street to get a sandwich, in the car, flipping around, serious, 
land on the herd. And Colin Cowherd saying, I, I only pay pass rushers, I only pay left tackles, and I only pay quarterbacks. And you know what, Motsi? From a perfect bird's eye view, maybe that <laughs> right. makes maybe that makes maybe that makes sense. That okay, you you really only want to devote long term, big time money, guaranteed money, long term contracts to your quarterback, to your tackles, and to your pass rushers. Uh, okay, but it's 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 just like that's just trying to simplify. You're trying to distill down a, a very complex, a very uh, mm-hmm. complicated game into just something very simple. To me, it's less about the position. It's more about the value that that player brings to your team or just more so how valuable that player is to what you do. And and you just nailed on it. That's their number one target. Uh, And not only, Motes, is he a huge threat in the pass game, not only is he Jimmy Garoppolo's whoopee in the pass game, he's also arguably the best pass or run-blocking, pardon me, tight end in the National Football League. So it's not like he's just like a one-dimensional tight end who's a really good receiver. I mean, this dude is very instrumental. That that zone kind of you know run scheme that they run out there, uh, that Kyle Shanahan runs with the Niners. You need guys like George Kittle, who are athletes on the edge, who can block. Uh, I just think, forget what position he plays. I mean, his value to their offense. You take the quarterback out of the conversation, right? Because the quarterback is the most valuable player on pretty much every offense in the National Football League. Right. I mean, he's he's the most valuable guy to me to what they do on offense. So he, he's still young. You could maybe even argue that he hasn't even hit his absolute peak yet. Uh, I, I think this is. I, I don't think this is unwise business for the Niners. I don't think they're foolishly spending money on a tight end. Not at all. And I will say this, man, in response to Cowherd's theory, because a lot of people do share that sentiment. I say you pay the player, you're not paying the position. If that guy changes your franchise, if that guy is the reason why you're successful, you pay him, and you pay him the value for him. What's his market value? Not what the position market value is. We've talked about, we've seen this with like the running backs, for example, right. where they're saying, well, hey, man, this running back is good, but you're just not supposed to pay running backs like that. <laughs> Christian McCaffrey is not just a regular running back. What he means to that team is a lot more than whatever receiver you would quote-unquote want to pay because of the position he right. plays. That's nonsense, and it's lazy. Let's be real about it. I'm with you. If you take that approach, you're not going to be very successful. You're not going to have a very talented roster either. You pay the players. The players that are good, the players that change your franchise, the players that you cannot win without, those are the players that get the money. And that's what you're seeing, not only with uh, the Niners, but also with the Chiefs. And we can go down the list. I mean, you think about the Patriots. They paid both of their tight ends when it was Gronk or Hernandez. I mean, we're talking about historically you're not supposed to pay tight ends, but both of those guys got big money in at the time. It was a perfect situation because of how productive they were and how productive Gronk went on to be. And we know if Hernandez would have never got in trouble, he would have went on and didn't and probably been even more productive because yeah. plenty of people said that he Hernandez was, really was the good. better of the two. Yeah. Yeah. He and I know really firsthand good. experience playing against both of them at the same time. <laughs> we would much rather have to deal with Gronk than it was to deal with Hernandez. Yeah, Travis Kelsey, it looks like uh the number's not official on his like they are with George Kittle. Um, but uh, Jeremy Fowler, our buddy, shout out to Jeremy breaking the news, is reporting that uh, expected to come in, you know, just south, just under that fifteen million dollar per year mark that Kittle's making. And obviously, Kelsey's situation is a little different. He's seven years older than than George Kittle. Um, he's more so kind of in his prime, on the back end of his prime, as opposed to where you know you could argue with George Kittle, he's just starting to hit that. But I think it's, you know, for Kansas City, right, it's about keeping the band together. They're going to give Kelsey this money a little bit early. Yeah. 
because if they waited another year or two, mm-hmm. he might have been priced out of Kansas City. Yeah, absolutely. They, they're taking the anti-Dallas approach. They're saying, <laughs> let's let's get rid of these, get this money to these guys ahead of time. Yes, let's not kick we're, this can down We're the not road. playing franchise tag roulette. We're not playing, hey, you know, uh, hopefully, you know, your productivity slips just a little bit and then we get you for the cheap. Nah. Let's get ahead of this thing, man. Get the deal done with a year or two left. And then from there, you're in a way better situation from a money standpoint and from a cap standpoint. So I, I, I'm anticipating Tyreek Hill. Well, actually, no, Tyreek just got his deal done. That was uh, yes. last year, right? Yes, correct. Yeah, so honestly, they got all their core pieces. Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey. You have Chris Jones paid on the back end. Tyron Matthews already got a deal done. Yeah. I want to say Mitchell Schwartz, he already got a deal done as well. I think so. Yeah, so they yeah. literally have everyone, all of their core pieces locked up. That's they what they do. Need. They do. Now, eventually, right, that Mahomes uh, contract extension will kick in full bore. That changes things. And if the salary cap uh, plateaus, if you will, mm-hmm. that's the term I'm looking for, baby. They could they could be in a little trouble, but yeah, it's it's they're keeping the band together for now, and that's right. You don't make decisions until you have to. Um, you and I were talking about this before the show, like how do they get all the salary cap money? Did a little research. The opt-outs actually saved them like a little over $12 million on the salary cap this year. So that gave them some more wiggle room, you know, in the short term. They're obviously still going to have some cap issues long term, but they're keeping the band together for now. Motsi, some some big tight end money being handed out today. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler with you on the Steelers Blitz. In about 10 minutes here, we're going to talk to our buddy Brian Backo of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. One of the things I want to talk to, uh, Mr. Bacco about Motsi is uh, the running backs and good news, right? We always like to start with some kind of optimism, some kind of good news in the yeah. first segment. Uh, Jalen Samuels off the reserve COVID list today. He is now uh, cleared to practice once again. So that's good, right? In the past week, we've had Justin Lane, we've had James Washington, and we've all and we've now had Jalen Samuels all come off the reserve COVID list. Now, a reminder to everybody, right? That doesn't necessarily mean that they had COVID or tested positive for COVID. It means they could have, obviously, but it also means they could have just been in proximity or potentially exposed to it, and they were held out as a safety measure. Jalen Samuels is back now, Arthur Motes. That makes an already crowded running back room even more crowded. (laughs) I don't want to ask you this Uh question, but I feel like i got to ask you this question. How is this all going to shake out? <sighs> and are they going to keep four running backs? Uh-huh. Is it going to be three and a practice squad guy? Who, who, I'm gonna say, who is your practice squad guy? I don't know. And see, here's, here's what I really wanted, you to, wanted to ask you. If it comes down to it and it comes down to Jalen Samuels and Wendell Smallwood, mm-hmm. is it going to be Jalen Samuels? Because he's the guy that they actually drafted, invested capital in, that they didn't just pluck off the street. Like, is it maybe that's the way to ask this question? Is it Wendell Smallwood who has the uphill battle to climb here to make the roster because he's the one of the five guys that they didn't invest invest a draft pick in? And so maybe they, you know, it's just easier to wash your hands of that guy if if it comes down to splitting hairs. Well, the Jalen Samuels draft pick was what? Fifth round. That's not that much of an investment, man. It's not, but it's still it's still not a guy that you just plucked off the street for free a couple weeks ago either. Yeah, you, got, you know he's but, been with but, the team for two years. You've invested some time and some money into him as a fifth round pick. That You're is, right. I mean, we've seen the Steelers cut fifth round picks in the same year that they drafted him. We see them cut fourth round picks the same year they drafted. This him. is true. I mean, if you really want to go, I think there's a third round pick in there as well. Hold on now. Yeah, yeah. Listen, any other organization, I'm following you. Here in Pittsburgh. 
that does not necessarily fly. I hmm. think the two things, though, that will weigh the most between Wendell and Jalen, number one, obviously you want to see who could bring any type of value to the offense, but let's be real about it. James Conner is getting the lion's share. Benny Snell will be second in line, and then McFarland is going to be your change of pace. So between Wendell and Jalen, if you want to make this team, which one do you bring more value to special teams? Hmm. That's going to be the real debate because which one of them are really beating out James Conner to be your feature back? And if you're not the feature back, okay, well, what is your niche? Do they give you the power back changeup that Benny Snell does? Hmm. No. Do they play with the same speed that Anthony McFarlane plays with? No. So that's what you have to ask yourself. Okay, so if you don't have that element, special teams is the next thing. I know Jalen Samuels has played special teams in the past. I'm not really sure 100% with Wendell. I'm assuming he has, though. But I think that's going to be the next thing between those two guys. Who brings more value? And then from there we can go down and say, okay, well, who's a cheaper player? Who's younger? More upside and all those other things. But sure. I think that's where it's really going to stand. And you still have to remember, too, they still got Kareth White on this roster, too, yep. who came in and had success last year and as well. Is Trey Edmonds still here? Yes, he is. Yeah. So that's my thing. It's, so. it's not as clear-cut as just, oh, Jalen versus Wendell. Mm-hmm. Because when you're talking about that fourth running back spot, that's kind of like the fifth linebacker spot. You're, hey, you're not here to play offense. You're here to play special teams right now. And if somebody gets hurt or something goes wrong – all right, now your role will emerge. Jalen Samuels had that opportunity last year in his first year. Right. At this stage, it's totally different. It's no guarantee that he would even be getting a helmet right now just because of some of the things that we're talking about right here. You know, we know what Benny Snow, he comes down, he covers kicks, he makes tackles on special teams. You know what Anthony McFarlane, that speed that he plays with, they're gonna you find a way for speed. I was on a team with Dre Archer, who at the time still wasn't even playing as fast as he timed. But because of how fast he was, hmm. he was in a helmet every game because yeah. you just never know. Like, hey, this might be the game where it hits. <laughs> so it's certain players, like when we talk about a McFarlane, that yeah, along with him being a four a forefront pick of this year's draft, they're gonna have that luxury right there. But between those guys with Jalen Samuels, Wendell Smallwood, along with um with Kareth White, and even like you said, Trey Edmonds, they're they're all kind of bunched in there together. Now, this year is different too from a practice squad standpoint. Now that you have the six additional spaces that can go to anybody, not just typically your your year one or year right. two guys. So right. that could open up a spot. But then from there you have to ask yourself, okay, if this guy becomes a practice squad guy, is Another team going to want to pick him up and things like that. I think you'd have to worry about that a lot more with Jalen Samuels than necessarily uh, Kareth White or Trey Edmonds. But with Wendell, like you said, he does have hot tape out there before. So that could be something that they will be having to to weigh in terms of who we can stash up there versus not stash and things like that. Lot to ponder as we get ready for padded practices on Monday. Who better to talk to on a Thursday at 320 than Brian Batko? of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. We'll talk to our buddy on the other side, and we will uh, have more running back talk, more division talk, all kinds of stuff. It's also three-question Thursday. So a lot of fun planned for Yins over the next two hours and 45 minutes. We'll start with the Batman on the other side. He's Arthur Motes. I'm Wesley Euler. This is Steelers Blitz on SNR. is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. 
3.20 on a Thursday. That means it's time to go to the phone lines and talk to our good friend of the show, Brian Backo, joins us at this time every single week. And Mr. Backo, it is apparently tight end extension day across the National Football League. So uh, I don't know what to be expecting here, but um, I don't know. Maybe Vance McDonald should be checking his email inbox. I don't know. Maybe... uh, who else? Zach Ertz can check his inbox here, but some big money to uh, to George Kittle and now Travis Kelsey today. Yeah, it's kind of funny. I don't think there's going to be any major moves like that for the Steelers' tight end core, but I just put up a mailbag at postgazette.com where a reader asked me in my chat this week if I have any sort of surprise roster projections. I didn't do a whole 53-man roster projection. I don't think I'm entrusted with such an important task just yet at the paper. But uh, my answer, in lieu of like coming up with a long shot or a, a camp sleeper, since we really haven't gotten a chance to see anybody yet, I'm wondering if maybe kind of an overlooked position of where the Steelers might still want to add a guy is tight end. Because while you have Vance mm. McDonald and Eric Ebron, you're in good shape with those guys as your top two Beyond those two, I think you could use another guy kind of like a Nick Vanette was last year who's really more of an inline blocker, will do that dirty work, play special teams. As much as Zach Gentry might still have some upside in this league, that's not really his M.O. Now, saying that, do you have any Titans that would be on, like, the quote-unquote wish list for Mr. Batco? (laughs) See, I was thinking about that most, and and anyone who's still out there on the street right now, I'm probably going to rule out just because the Steelers could have gone out and and gotten those guys Hmm. last month when they signed the the kid from, um, was it Utah State, Dax Raymond, who had recently been cut by the Bears. So I think it's more a matter of keep an eye on teams around the league when you get the final cut downs. Um, I have to imagine the Steelers were doing that. Last year, maybe nothing shook out that, that really intrigued them too much, so that's why they end up going to trade for, for Nick Vanette uh, after two weeks from Seattle. But I, I think the Buccaneers have kind of a multitude of tight ends now that they grabbed Gronk hmm. out of retirement, so there could be an intriguing name who becomes available there. Uh, the Bears have, have had a surplus, and the Seahawks, uh, even after uh, getting rid of, of Nick Vanette to the Steelers last year, they still kind of have a lot of bodies floating over there. They, they grabbed uh, Greg Olson uh, as a free agent this offseason. So uh, maybe there'll be uh, a guy who pops up who doesn't have the receiving chops of an Eric Ebron or a Vance McDonald, uh, but can kind of be that, that wide tight end who, who gets in line and helps your running game from that perspective. Yeah. Now, obviously we're talking about the tight ends, <laughs> but sticking to the offensive side of the ball and some of the, uh, the depth in these rooms, the running back room, we were just talking about a little bit in terms of Jalen Samuels returning from the COVID list. It's packed, man. Um, obviously yeah. we, we know the top three guys with uh, James Conner, Benny Snell, and Anthony McFarlane, but you still got guys like Jalen Samuels, Wendell Smallwood, Trey Edmonds, and Kareth White. So out of that bunch right there, those four in particular, Jalen, Wendell, um, Trey, and, Kar- and uh, Kareth, how do you think that whole thing plays out in terms of position battles and ultimately trying to get that, that last running back spot, if they still even will carry four running backs into the season? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because that's I also mentioned that position in my mailbag because you talk about like guys who are, are not typically seen in your Steelers roster projections when you Google it. I don't think Trey Edmonds is, is making uh, a lot of the 53-man predictions, but – 
when you look at this offseason and, and the type of guy that's maybe going to be able to stick against long odds, it's going to be veteran, experienced, reliable, and, and has something that you know he's capable of doing at an NFL level. And Trey Edmonds checks all of those boxes when you look at what he did on special teams last year. A core guy can play uh, all four of those units, covering kicks and punts, uh, blocking on kick and punt returns. And it's a great story, too, with Terrell Edmonds, and you'd have two sets of brothers that's not going to be the only reason that the Steelers would maybe want to keep him um, but he, he can even do a little bit of fullback work in a pinch so uh, it is like you said super crowded I, I still would give the edge to Jalen Samuels uh, if I had to look at a fourth tailback to, to make this roster but again not counting out someone like Trey Edmonds and, and I'm not even counting out someone like Wendell Smallwood who they don't usually add guys with his kind of resume at this time of year unless they're kind of serious about keeping him around so uh he can do some of those same special teams things and sort of like johnny holton uh was last year made the team probably at least in part because he's done those duties at the nfl level before and has put it on film brian Becko of the pittsburgh post gazette our guest here on the steelers blitz the pads coming on on monday brian Becko. we heard that from mike tomlin today but is it going to be the typical Mike Tomlin physical training camp practice right out of the shoot, or do you expect that there's maybe even still going to be some more of a typical, you know, ramp up period than we would see, even albeit with the first full padded practices? I mean, if you asked me that yesterday, I, I probably would have said the latter, but after hearing Mike Tomlin talk this morning, it seems like it's going to look pretty much like a typical practice out at St. Vincent would look. And, and I think that. Uh, you you kind of have to do that. I mean, you you are going to be within a month till your first game. Uh, once you set that ball down on on Monday, you'll actually be a little bit less than a month. Uh, tomorrow, I think, will be a month until the season opener. Exactly. So, um, the way that, to hear him talk today, uh, they they've gone through all the ramp up that, that you had to do with the NFL's protocols. It seemed like all of that was very well thought out from a league perspective. Uh, the Steelers, uh, as a team, of course, also have their own. Uh, infectious disease emergency response plan in place. So uh, I think when you factor all of that in, there's really no reason why you should have to uh, take much of a different approach to full contact periods than you would in, in a normal season. And, and right now, the Steelers are even sitting pretty from the perspective of nobody on the COVID list. Now that Jalen Samuels, Justin Lane, James Washington have all returned. Now knock on wood, because that could change at any time. It's fluid other guys around the league are still getting placed onto that list on a daily basis but uh, i don't think there's going to be too much um uh, of a of a novel uh, experience to the the first practice uh, at heinz field on monday i think it's going to look pretty much like it normally would now i like that um obviously we've started talking a little bit about the whole COVID situation now from a collegiate standpoint, we've seen the Big Ten and the Pac-12 in the past couple of days say that they're not going to have fall sports. So just talk about the impact that that could potentially have on next year's draft class and things like that. I really don't know. I mean, I was going to maybe ask Mike Tomlin about that today on his weekly Zoom call. But knowing him, especially as you get into mid-August, he probably would have just said that, that that's really far from his mind and he's not really thinking about it. At this point, and, and the Steelers and all the other teams have very deep player personnel departments and, and scouting departments that uh, the, the weight of those decisions are, are going to fall more on them at this point. So it's, it's going to be really tricky. I mean, and, and especially uh, as you alluded to, we don't even know yet 
if maybe one conference is going to stand alone uh, <laughs> apart from the others and actually play some games. Are maybe two or three going to go about it their own way and do their own thing, like the SEC, the ACC, and the Big 12? And, and if they do, will you have more guys opt out? Will there be spring football? And if there is, will, will anybody uh, who's on NFL draft radars participate in that? Uh, I probably wouldn't if, if I were one of those guys. So uh, it's, it's going to be a, a little bit of a mess for sure. I mean, there, there's going to be – uh, maybe even transfers that you have to uh, account for who, who you'll never have even seen at the school that they transferred to. So uh, it's, it's going to be really, really tricky. And uh, NFL is in a better spot than college football, obviously, but uh, that there's going to be some trickle-down effects or, or I guess more accurate tri- trickle-up effects uh, from what's <laughs> happening at, at that level and, and what it's going to mean for the pro level. Now, you mentioned the uh, spring football, which is uh, something the Pac-12 and both the Big Ten were talking about. Do you see a scenario where that could potentially work? Obviously, understanding how close in proximity the NFL season would be if they were to start a season or finish a season during the springtime? I do, just because uh, we've been saying from the beginning uh, of the pandemic in March how fluid everything is. Now, maybe that's a freezing cold take because uh, as much as it seems like it's been fluid, uh, not a whole lot has changed since then, at least in terms of college sports being played. Uh, everything shut down on, on March 13th, 14th, whatever it was, and now it's August 13th, and, and still none of those sports or, uh, or leagues have, have actually gotten back to the, the court or, or the field, and, and you hate to see that, but um, I, I still think that by the time that the spring gets here, we'll have gone so long without college sports that even if not a whole lot changes, from the coronavirus perspective, uh, th- there might just be something that has to give with these leagues and the uh, university presidents and uh, commi- sports commissioners who just say, okay, we- we've got to get even more creative, uh, find out some way uh, to get boy, uh, you know, men and women out there playing sports again at the collegiate level. So uh, I'm not one of those people that's completely rolling out the idea of spring football, although I do think uh, if you find a way to make it happen, It'll once again probably uh, you'll have to pay it forward and, and make some changes to what would be the 2021 fall football schedule as well. Brian Backo of the Post Gazette with us here on the Blitz. I feel like I ask you this every week, Brian Backo, but it is my duty, okay? Because I'm the gas bag jabroni radio host. <laughs> You're the real journalist out there. <laughs> Any talks? You know what? Forget talks. I'll even take whispers at this point. Any whispers about an extension? between Cam Hayward and the Pittsburgh Steelers? No, but to go back to the, the top of the show, you are seeing a little bit more movement now uh, around the rest of the league. Unfortunately for Cam, he doesn't play tight end, so <laughs> doesn't apply quite as closely. Um, I, I'm sure he'd be down to get out there, though, if it meant some, some resolution on the contract front. But, well, maybe Zach Banner uh, no, first I, at tight end. Yes, yeah. He Although he's, he's still gone dark on social media, so Zach hasn't slipped up or, or tripped up at all on Twitter, Instagram. From what I've seen, he buried his phone in a hole in the backyard. But uh, with Cam, uh, no, I mean, still no traction, no movement. But uh, you guys know, I mean, you've been following the Steelers a long time, too. I mean, they, they, they can operate in darkness pretty well and, and keep leaks from, from springing. So it, it's one of those deals where uh, it might just get announced and, and no one had any inkling that it was right around the corner. So uh, I don't got any whispers for you, Mr. Euler. My apologies. But uh, as you do see some movement, happening around the league uh, you always have to wonder 
uh, if it's going to be a little bit of a, a follow-the-leader approach from some other teams, and potentially that would apply to the Steelers here. Now, i got to be the guy to ask. I know that my colleague over here always is very professional. He doesn't like to get into some of this nonsense that takes place off the field. But day going yesterday, but yesterday, man, come on, man. We we had some <laughs> some some major uh, social media situations going on, interdivisional rivalries and, and beef and things on that nature. So what are your thoughts on this whole Joe Hayden, Jersey Gate, Pac-Man situation? Did you send the jerseys? What's going on here, Batco? Talk to me, baby. Talk to me. Not me. I don't even have Pac-Man Jones' address. I certainly don't have access to any Joe Hayden jerseys uh, signed or, or unsigned. I don't think I could afford the unsigned uh, authentic Joe Hayden NFL Steelers jerseys. But this is just uh, – I don't get this one at all. I, I, I tried to do some digging, do some Googling to see if there's any past beef between these guys. I mean, I, I'm not seeing anything. I know they were divisional rivals for – a long time because even before Joe was was with the Steelers, he was still in the AFC North with the Browns, of course. But it's not like it's a receiver corner thing. I mean, they're both defensive backs. You think that is something of a fraternity in the NFL? And um, it seemed like they squashed the beef at one point last night. Most <laughs> I on thought Instagram, the same. But but then like but then Pac Man comes back and says, "I was going to delete this, but you know, some words I can't utter on Steeler Nation Radio, all y'all." And, Speaking about having people's addresses, um, I've got about 20 signed WVU jerseys for you that oh, I was trying man. to mail to you. So if you could uh, text me your address as soon as we get off the air here, I'd greatly appreciate it. Or you it. could just Tavon say it on Austin. the air. <laughs> well, yeah, i gotta, I got to wait till Austin 49er jersey. I know. I mean, you look good in that red. I mean, geez. Yeah, I... <laughs> That was that. That's my whole thoughts on the situation. It's just the most. I want the gold alternate. Let, ooh. ooh, it's it's the most Pac-Man Jones thing ever, right? That that everything that he's lighting a bo- uh, box of jerseys on fire. It's also the most Pac-Man Jones thing ever that somehow, accidentally, some way, a box of autographed Steelers jerseys yes. ended up at his house. It's just it's very par for the course. Listen, I'm just glad he didn't yeah. burn his whole hand off, man. Ooh. It was close. It was close. <laughs> like Someone, I, I know in his. Poor, uh, his poor son was out there too near the uh, near the flames. Maybe I can teach Pac-Man how to make a little bit of a bonfire so that I we was... don't have to uh, do it in such a crass way. But yeah, I wondered like does someone out there just have a Rolodex of like former AFC North cornerbacks and like <laughs> Hayden was kind of close to Jones and you know got the address. There there had uh, to be some merchandise person who, you know, maybe it's possible right because there's all these different merchandising companies that these guys could do signings yeah. with. Uh, maybe that. You know, this same company has dealt with Pac-Man in the past, and somebody just hit the wrong button when they were doing a shipping order. That, that, that's a lot of money to be making a mistake on, though. Right? Man. That looked like a lot of signed jerseys. Yes. I mean, that was not a cheap. Not uh, at all. That was not a cheap bonfire. Have you, ever, have you guys ever gotten mail sent to you that was supposed to be like for your neighbor or something? Oh yeah, yeah, but not a big box yeah, of not signed a big jerseys, box though. Sign. Maybe like a letter. But this, do, you, I, I wa- do you burn it? Oh, Is like, your first instinct to take it into the, the driveway? Well, well, I'm trying to figure out, is he going to have a black mark in his driveway from all that gasoline oh, sure. and fire? He's, like, he's got the power washed out of there. 
I, Ray Kirkpatrick, another former Bengals <laughs> cornerback who was part of the Steelers Bengals yeah, uh, games. He sent he sent Pac Man a video of all the the pressure washers that he's got <laughs> in his garage. Yeah, you're so gonna have to pressure them out too. Listen, I may or may not have started a little bonfire in my parents' driveway when I was like 14 years old. I oh, may or may man. not have had to power wash it, the whole driveway the next morning. I, I may or may this not be crazy. speaking from personal experience. This is crazy. I wonder though, I, if, I, like, what I we, don't even want Pac-Man to use the pressure washer because uh, I'm afraid of what point. he might do to his toes. Oh yeah, or he might miss and hit his poor son who was standing there off to the side or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm wondering though if the box was if the box was uh, like addressed to Pac-Man. There has to be somebody in there was some foul play. Yeah. Now, if the box was addressed to if the box was addressed to somebody else and it was just Pac Man's address, who then I could believe it was like a computing but then, error. But then I think if it was to, if it was addressed to someone else, I don't think Pac Man opens it up. That's like, also a fair point because I've, I've well, received. But if it's at his address, well, no, it's, yes, it's, not, it's not a federal uh, offense. Like if you open, if you go into their mailbox, that's, that's different. That's true. That's true. Yeah. But I've had like okay, mail come it, to me that wasn't addressed to me, but it had somebody's name, and I'm like, oh, I'm not about to open this up. But it did have your your right address on it. No, it's been times it didn't have the. But right But that's address. what I mean. What yeah. if it had Pac-Man's right address, but somebody else's name? You still don't open it up, man. Somebody else's <laughs> name. What are we talking about here, man? But here's the thing: if you want to clown Pac-Man, why would you send him Joe Hayden and not like A B? Right. Or yeah, that's, Big Ben. Exactly. Yeah, that just doesn't make any sense. I'm sitting in the Or the, the Jerry receiver. Porter. It'd be Jerry Porter yeah. jerseys. You would definitely send a 5 5 over there. <laughs> Not Joey Porter, Jerry Porter. And why now? He's, he's retired. What are we talking about? <laughs> but I mean, that's his. You I'm know. glad he didn't call him James Harden. <laughs> mortal nemesis. <laughs> a guy who is not our mortal nemesis. Brian Bacco. Read his work in the Post Gazette. Follow him on Twitter at Brian Becko. He has not changed his number since the seventh grade, and he has guy-like characteristics. You can hear him here every Thursday with us. Buddy, we appreciate your time, and hey, uh, next week, hopefully less tomfoolery, and we'll have you know real football, some, some real padded practices to talk about, baby. Yes, fun chatter as always, fellas. We'll see you. Yes, indeed. Take it easy, Batman. There he goes, the best in the business, Brian Becko. <sighs> You know what I got to do? I got to find a way to get a bunch of WVU jerseys. Mm -hmm. Sign them all and somehow get them shipped to the back of the state. That Mm -hmm. is now my new goal over the next couple months. I need to go through West Virginia, right? Morgantown, Parkersburg, Clarksburg, Fairmont, Charleston. (laughs) Hit all the Goodwills and the Salvation Armies. Buy all the cheapest WVU jerseys that I can find. (laughs) Autograph them all. And send them to Brian Backer. That's what I'm going to spend my weekend doing. I hope he's not listening anymore. Oh, man. I'm going to provide the gasoline then. <laughs> yeah, just make sure I don't almost light my hand on yeah. fire like so Pac-Man thing, like, did. What is going on here, Pac? What are you doing? <laughs> I know. I mean, especially all those autographed jerseys, too. I mean, I'll take one. I, I will say this. Shout out to Joe Hayden, though, man. He's handled this thing with straight <laughs> grace because there are a couple guys on that roster that I could name that if that name was mentioned – it would have been a total different yeah, – it wouldn't have been the nice, oh, I'm getting a massage, I'm going to talk nice to you, respect, and all this. It would have been a whole other situation. Thanks to Brian Backo for joining us. Again, read his work in the Post-Gazette. Follow him on Twitter. That's a good dude right there. We're going to take another break here on the other side. We will get back into our ceiling and floor conversation. We have got the NFC South. South today? South, yes. NFC South. Today, because we're going alphabetical, yep. So that means NFC West would be last. Yes. So the NFC South ceiling, floor. Oh man, this means Arthur Motes gets a chance to talk about the Saints too. Uh oh. I didn't even think about this. Wow. Oh gosh.
<laughs> Keep those tweets rolling in as well. At Wesley Euler at the body 52. The body. This is Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Euler and Motes having some fun on a Thursday. We continue our... Oh, man, I forget the French word for week already. I looked it up yesterday. Come on. Our topic of the week. Of course, we are, uh, we've are. we got two of them going, actually. We have got uh, ceiling and floor for each division in the National Football League, and we have got one bounce-back player for each team in the National Football League. Our division ceiling and floor conversation, Arthur Motes, brings us to the NFC South today. Last year's champions were the Nolans Saints, as they have been for three years running. And get this, the second straight year, Motsi, that the Saints were the only team in that division with a winning record. Uh, the Falcons go 7-9, and nine, the Buccaneers go 7-9, and nine, Carolina goes 5-11. and 11. Let's start alphabetically, as we always do by uh, city name. So we will begin with those Atlanta Falcons. Two straight years of seven and nine, Arthur Motes. Still got Matt Ryan, still got Julio Jones. That, to me, you know, keeps them afloat. They bring Todd Gurley in. Who knows? But again, right, this is best-case scenario conversation. <sighs> they could certainly be a little improved. The defense started to look better in the last four or five games of the year last year. I don't know how much I believe in the coaching staff ever since uh, Kyle Shanahan left. Back-to-back 7-9 seasons, I think that's about their right area again. So, Arthur Motes, I'll go ceiling for Atlanta 9-7. and seven. Um, I don't think they're going to get much worse or fall off a cliff or anything. Uh, I'll, I'll stick at 7-9 and nine for being their floor as well. I think they're just a mediocre team. They're not bad. They're not good. They're just a mediocre team. <laughs> Gotta be all that mediocre. That's crazy. They're they're an av- you know they're a they're a C plus team. Wow. Do you really think that? Hey, C's get degrees, baby. Oh man. Ah, I kind of feel the same, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm over here like, all right, let, let me just let me think of something that could make them better than that, or. Let me think of something that, that, that stand out a little bit more. I'm just like, yeah, Coach Steph, yeah. I mean, you you named the players that really stand out. Other than that, yeah, who? who? There's nobody on defense that's nobody. Uh, that's striking <laughs> fear into your into your mind. What? What? Not your boy? Who's my boy? You know your boy? Tech? <laughs> you ain't feeling t- <laughs> It's not my boy. Did you stop? What, with his like five sacks that he has and in the last four years? He still got the picture of his grandma. That's that all was I awesome. I mean, yeah, I love that. He, he got, got drafted picture? and he brought a picture of his grandma. I love that. And on national TV. But yeah. I don't love his game. Oh, man. Most memorable moment ever. Shout out to Prime Time. I mean, it was. It was a very it was a very Atlanta <laughs> moment. I mean, there's no, there's no doubt about that. Um, but it hasn't necessarily translated to success on the football field for Atlanta. Yeah, uh, nine and seven, seven and nine for me, Arthur Motes. They're just they're a C plus football team. Golly, I feel like you're absolutely right. Um, 
You said you would even give him nine and seven. I think no nine and seven to seven and nine. That's what I'm saying. You're saying nine and seven is the ceiling. I'm saying eight and eight. Oh, okay. Ceiling, yeah, eight and eight ceiling. I'll go probably six and ten. Uh, as the floor, I think that defense definitely has some major concerns surrounding them. And if there's a situation where Matt Ryan isn't on, I mean, and we know what we talk about Matt Ryan. It's not like he has like the terrible drop off performances, but if he's not playing at a very high at level, an a level, right, then that team can become really bad really quickly. Yeah. Now, offensively, I think Ty Gurley is going to be the X factor, but I still don't think that he's ever going to return to form. Now that his knees are what they are. So for me, yeah, I can see him easily being a six win team, but at best eight and eight, man. The Carolina Panthers. Arthur Motes, new coach, Mr. Big Twelve, Matt Rule. Man, that guy, I tell you what, he went from Temple to Baylor to the to the big house. Mm-hmm. Pretty quickly he brings in Teddy Two Gloves from the division. He uh loses Cam Newton loses Luke Keekley. It really is a, 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 a definitely a, a reset point for that franchise. Their head coach who was there forever is gone. The quarterback who was there forever is gone. The leader of the defense is gone. It really is a, a new start for the Panthers. 5-11 and 11 last year. They're going to have growing pains this year, Arthur Motes. Without a doubt. They certainly are. I mean, they're, they're a very young team in a lot of key positions. And, again, they're bringing in a new coach, uh, new assistants, new language, new playbook in a, uh unprecedented off season. With uh, a lot of devastating injuries last year, they were still able to go 5-11. and 11. I don't know if that's more of a testament to the roster or to Ron Rivera. Maybe a little bit of both. Maybe the roster isn't as terrible as we give it credit for. And I know Teddy Bridgewater is a professional quarterback. He went 5-0 and oh last year. Hey, man, Pro Bowl quarterback, man. That's Put respect right. on it, man. It don't matter how many alternates had to be alternated for him to be in there. He's in there. That's all that matters, man. Pro Bowl. Put some respect on his name. Ceiling is the roof. Is the roof. This team could win six games. But floor, I mean, this team might only win one or two games. Why are you disrespecting Teddy like that, man? I'm not. I'm just that that I mean, look at the defense. It is a lot of it's a lot of fresh out of college guys on that defense. It's a young defense. And other than run CMC, Teddy doesn't have a ton of help on that offense. Yeah, he do. Look at the receiving group out there. They got some dogs. Mm, okay, you I mean. <laughs> dogs? <laughs> Maybe puppies. They got some dogs out there, puppies. man. They, they are stacked. They are loaded. I'll go for Carolina. You know what? Maybe I'm not get- I don't know. But see, you always do this. You butter me up, and then you try and get me to go against my original thought. Because, man, you, you acting nervous, man. Remember when you were a kid, right, and you would go and you would take tests, and your mom or the teacher would always tell you, right, like, mm-hmm. hey, you go with – if you think it's between two, you go with the one that was your first gut reaction. No, because a lot of times your first reaction is the wrong reaction, man. Uh, see now you've got me questioning everything I know about life. Don't, uh, Do I exist? Have you ever heard think, of? Are you re- and I sitting in Green Tree, Pennsylvania? You, you, right you now? realize there's Is a reason real? why there are multiple takes, right? Oh, first take, second take. Oh, we revised this. Oh, this is our mock draft one, mock draft two, mock draft fifty-seven point five. Listen, man, your 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 first is never as good as the final. Okay. They're bringing in a new coach this year, and that's going to be difficult. Best case scenario, they win six games. Worst case scenario. Six games? Oh, man. You know they're a seven-win team, Worst baby. case scenario, they win three. I think Teddy Bridgewater's too good. They're like, stacked on offense. 
I don't know what it's called, folks. I just know the sound that it makes when it lies. <laughs> Best case scenario for Carolina, they win six games. Worst case scenario, they win three games. All right, there we go. I, I, can, I can respect that. I can roll with that, all right? Oh, boy, boy, boy. Them Carolina Panthers. Woo-chow. Woo-chow. Look. The only positive they got going for them outside of CMC is my boy Ishmael Hyman, you know, GMU Duke, baby, in the building, in the receiving room. I think he's going to do no, here we go. just fine. Other than that, let's be real, man. This is a very bad situation. I think even more so now with the uncertainty surrounding a guy like Russell Okung, him potentially not playing. I know he's flirting with uh, retiring because of the COVID scares and things like that. And he's a guy coming off of dealing with blood clots, which is a very, very scary situation. Uh, just overall, man, that they're, they're not the most talented team. Like no. I think that's like when we think of a team like Cleveland, we know okay they have question marks, but talent isn't one of them. Whereas with the Panthers. Talent is a big question mark on both sides of the ball. They're losing Luke Keekley. They they they're just a lot of questions, man. No Thomas Davis anymore. Mario Addison, who is a, a top notch pass rusher in this league, he's no longer there. I mean, we can go down the list, and you bring in a guy like Eli Apple. I mean, he's been a guy that never really lived up to that first round draft uh, yeah. draft grade and things like that. So when I'm thinking about the Panthers, I just don't see a scenario where they win more than six games, especially in a season like now, offseason like now. Um, it'll be interesting to see how much Rule can get his style implemented with these guys. We already have our concerns when it comes to college football success versus <laughs> NFL football success because the game is drastically different. But, yeah, six games is their absolute ceiling. I don't see them winning more than that. Yeah. Um, I can see a scenario where they only win three games, though, honestly, man. That's even with Teddy doing his thing because at the end of the day, Teddy is a good quarterback, but Teddy is still not a top ten quarterback. He's not a top five quarterback. He's not a guy that you could say, regardless of who's around me, we're going right. to be in this thing. We're going to be in the mix. He needs some help. Yes, he does, absolutely, and he definitely does not have that. No. I mean, unless you want to go Robbie. Robbie's your guy. All right, cool. Mm. DJ Moore, all right. Mm. Doesn't really move the needle for me. That's all no. I'm saying, man. No, and the offensive line doesn't necessarily jump off the page either. It, and like you said, that's with Russell O'Connor. When you take Russell O'Connor <laughs> out of it, I'm like, oh, it's scary. It's, it's, they're, they're turning the page. They're writing a new chapter. They're yeah. cleaning slate, reloading, rebuilding, whatever cliche you want to use in Carolina, but it is true. And uh, it's a tough offseason to be at that point. All right, so we've talked about Atlanta. We've talked about Carolina. Now it's really crazy, though. Their roster is bad. It's bad. It's not good. Not good. Like, I'm just scrolling through trying to just find somebody to jump off to me. And I'm just. It's not good. I mean, if you want to go with uh, the pass rush out of Penn State, but he's still young. Uh, Yeter. Mm -hmm. Gross Matos. Yetor Gross Matos. It's a great last name. I mean, you know where I'm going. It's a great it's, last I mean, name. I'm going with D. Brown there at the tackle position. Come on, baby. Nah, Mr. Auburn, man. baby. But Arthur Motz, we talked about Atlanta and Carolina. The other two teams in the division, I think we both really fancy as contenders in the NFC, certainly the New Orleans Saints and now the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We will discuss those two teams, their ceiling and floor on the other side as we start our number two. He's Arthur Motes. I'm Wesley Euler, and you are listening to Steelers Blitz on SNR. Euler and Motes are on the air. This is the Steelers Blitz on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR, Steelers Nation Radio.
Good afternoon, Steelers Nation. How we doing? Well, that's good. Me too. Wesley Euler, <laughs> Arthur Motes with you here on the Steelers Blitz on SNR hour number two inside the electric factory on this Thursday evening-ish. Eh, close enough. Beautiful day out here in Western Pennsylvania as we continue our ceiling floor conversation, our penultimate day of this conversation, Motsi. There he is. He dropped there's the penultimate. I mean, there's your boy. I'm all warmed up now. First hour's in the books. So we're flying. I that's, mean, that, and that's the mark of a true professional right there, too, man. We're flying, baby. You know, it's like Motes always tells me, you know, the jokes you make in the first hour of the show, you better improve upon them. You better get better in the second hour of the show. You can't have the same jokes in the second hour that you had in the first hour, man. They ain't going to be as funny. They're not going to be as funny. They're not going to stick. The audience is going to catch on. It's all about the minutiae, baby. We got to keep them on their toes. Detail Arthur, your work. Motes, we are detailing our work here a team that uh needs to be detailing their work in the postseason your new orleans saints i mean they've been look at these records from the 13 and 3 13 and 3 11 and 5 i mean goodness gracious goodness and then they had the three straight seven and nine seasons but then a lot oh, chill out but here, then you 11, go. here you go then 11 and 5 yeah, and you, know, seven and nine. you know you yeah. want to put some respect on this team. You know you really love this no, team. I still think um, I'm still picking New Orleans to win the division over Tampa Bay. I am. Um, I mean it's it's the battle of wills of the uh, you know the over the hills. How mm-hmm. about that? The battle of wills between the over the hills. I mean, am I a poet? Tom Brady, Drew Brees. I'm so good. I got you on your knees. Mm-hmm. Thirteen and three last year for the New Orleans Saints. And I'd say I think that's about the ceiling again. I mean, it's like the same conversation we had with the Ravens. Really hard to win 14, yeah, say, 13 games. 14 and 2, 15 and 1. In the Come National on, Football League. Um, New Orleans. And <laughs> this is funny. I can I can do silver object thing with you here. Uh-huh. Look who's calling me right now. Ooh. Tunch Oakens. Should I answer this and, and touch on the air? No, I can't do that. That's, that would be very unprofessional. Tunch Oakens calling me right now. I mean, Tunch, uh, uh, Tunch, unless you could have him broadcast live during yeah, the call. Tunch, that, call that'd be the, the one. Call the studio. Right. right? We'll put you, you know what? That I should call him back on the studio. You should. That's Tunch, what you doing, man? You live on the air. We're in the middle of the Tunch, show right I now, mean, Tunch. Come on, buddy. I'm in the middle of the show right now. What are Smack we doing? Smack dab at 4 o'clock. Like, come on, Tunch. <laughs> you ain't call it 3 o'clock. Like, maybe they started late. Hold on. Now, now in the know, middle of the show. I need to know what he wants. I'm going to call him right. I'm going to text him right now. All right. So let's do this. Tunch. Here we go, buddy. Your boy really called in Tunch the middle Oak of our really show. really just called me in the middle of our show. As if we're not on the same network. On the same <laughs> network. Oh, I'm never going to let him live this down. What are you doing, Tunch? <laughs> I'm on air with, and I have to say Arthur, because if I say Motsi, he might, you know, he you calls you what? Arthur. Yeah, this is crazy. I'm on air with Arthur right now. And you're going to call in the middle what's, of our show. What's up? Want what, to do a segment? <laughs> we're so important, Tunch, that, that, that you got to interrupt our show. This is All crazy. All right, we'll see. I just said to him, I said, I'm on air with Arthur right now. What's up? You want to do a segment? <laughs> so we'll see what Tunch has to say. What is going on, Tunch? We'll see what Tunch has to say for himself. Jeez. The New Orleans Saints, Arthur Motes. Um, I think 13-3 and three is the ceiling. They've been at the past two seasons. Again, I mean, what am I going to predict a team's going to win 14 games? That just doesn't happen very often in the NFL. 13-3 and three ceiling, I, I mean, I, it would have to be a crazy scenario because, again, um, I don't think maybe he's as, uh, he's as secure as Teddy Bridgewater, but they still have Jameis Winston in the wings, right? Like, it's, yeah. if Drew Brees goes down, it's not like they're pulling, you know, they're not pulling Wesley Euler out of the studio to go play quarterback. <laughs> um 
They got Mr. 30 for 30 himself, Jameis Winston. So I think even worst case scenario, if, if Drew Brees were to you know, miss, what, five games like he did last season, I still think this team can win double-digit games. Um, so I will say ceiling 13-3, and three, I'll say floor 10-6. and six. I like that a lot. They're definitely, I mean, we talk about the ceiling. I have to agree 100%. I'm not about to sit here and predict them to win 14 games. I mean, that's crazy. So for them being at 13-3 last year, yeah, ceiling is for them another 13-win season. And that's if everybody stays healthy. I mean, because they are a very complete roster, offensively, defensively, special teams. They check every box. You got your your star players. You have your really good players. And then you have your role players. They literally have all of that on both offense and defense. So, yeah, 13 wins definitely is a ceiling for them. Um, In terms of floor, I honestly still see them being an 11-win team, man. I think they're just that talented. And like you said, worst case scenario, Drew Brees goes down. You still have James coming in, who's still a, a, a really good quarterback in this league, has had a, a ton of success and productivity. So I don't even view it as a drop. We talked yesterday about some of these teams that have really good backup quarterback situations. This is one. This is one because let's be real. You can make a case that Jameis Winston has been better than a Teddy Bridgewater in terms of the numbers, in terms of being a more prolific passer and things on that. Now, obviously, Teddy takes the, takes care of the ball a lot better, but Teddy still is going to be limited in terms of what he can do from a passing standpoint, whereas what you know with Jameis, Jameis can make every throw. Jameis can, can light it up. Problems with Jameis, Jameis is borderline arrogant with his ability. In terms of, okay, I know it's triple coverage. I know I shouldn't squeeze this right. in here, but I think I can do it. And because he's had success doing it before, he gets in trouble because he thinks he can continue to do that. That's James's only issue. If James could could just understand that, hey, okay, I have elite ability, but, hey, I can't make every throw. Once he understands that concept, and hopefully he will working behind Drew Brees and working yep. under Sean Payton, yep. hopefully he does get Should that. Should be good for him. If he can get that. Jameis has all the talent in the world from Absolutely. a quarterback standpoint. I don't think any NFL executive, coach, GM is ever going to disagree with he that. He threw the second most touchdowns in the NFL last year. Absolutely. Now he led the league in interceptions, but yeah, he still but, threw the second most touchdowns in the NFL last and, and, year. And you also have to remember his passing yardage as well with that. It wasn't like he was heavy touchdowns like we saw with right. Lamar, where Lamar had a ton of touchdowns, but his overall passing yardage wasn't as high. Jameis' passing yards was 5, up there yards, as well. Indeed. Yes, indeed. 5,000 passing yards, 30 mm-hmm. touchdowns, the 30 picks. But this is the issue. When I talk about the 30 interceptions, all of that stems from him having success squeezing the ball in tight windows. He's been able to do that multiple times, and that's ultimately why it's burnt him for the tune of, to the tune of 30 interceptions. We see it with Big Ben as well. Ben, I mean, it was some times where Ben would squeeze the ball into places where you're like, yo, why would you even make that throw? <laughs> uh, see, Super Bowl 43, yeah. last play, pass to San Antonio. It's, it's like, why, why are you like, even oh, throwing it's gonna that? Get it's going to get picked. It's Super Bowl champions. And, and the thing is, when you have that type of success, though, it makes you sometimes flirt with the borderline of, of being arrogant and saying that I can make every single throw regardless sure. if it's covered or not. Sure. And that's why we've seen Ben have some of the higher interception numbers as well. But the difference between those two is Ben has been able to to corral that a little bit more and his results have been a lot better. Whereas with Jameis, he's still obviously he's still a lot younger and he's still learning these things. But that's the biggest mm. issue with him. But man, with the Saints, man, the sky I mean, dude, th- this is a, a, a team Yeah. They're a Super Bowl they're a legitimate no Super question, Bowl contender. A, yeah. a legit Super Bowl contender. No, no Mary, no fairy tales, no myths, no, hey, we gotta hype this team up. It speaks for themselves. Their track record speaks for themselves. Their talent speaks for themselves. And their coach that speaks for themselves, man. So they're good to go, man. 
The real question in the division, I think, Arthur Motes, is are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers a legitimate Super Bowl contender or are they just a playoff contender? Now, like we talked about with a few other teams, right? Uh, we've had this discussion with the Browns. We've had, we just had this discussion last time when we were talking about Carolina. They have the disadvantage of bringing in not a new head coach. It's, so I guess it's a little bit different, but they are changing schematically what they're doing. And they're doing it in an offseason right where they haven't had as much preparation time, as much offseason program as they usually have. The real question for Tampa Bay is how quickly can they get up to speed? How quickly can that offense get on the same page? 7-9 and nine last year, Motsi. But man, it's a talented roster. Man, that defense. You and I have talked a lot about a couple guys on that defense individually. I just I don't know how much the lack of the offseason is going to hurt them. That's the big X factor for me. So if I'm going best case scenario and the offseason isn't a big X factor, they're able to figure it out quickly. This team could win 11 games. I mean, I, I could definitely see that. Worst case scenario, with all that talent, with Bruce Arians, with Tom Brady, I don't see them, even if it goes disasterly wrong, being any worse than 8-8. Eight and eight. So I'll go 8-8 eight and eight to 11-5 and five for the now newly uh, reminted Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, so I think with this team, man, they have a very complete roster offensively and defensively. Along with the fact they got a GMU dude on the team. So you hey. know how actually they got two GMU guys. Shout out Uh-oh. to my boy Josh Wells. Was act- he was actually my young boy when I was a senior there. And then they also have Aaron Steiny, obviously a FCS, you know, national champion. Wasn't that gold GMU Duke squad? Mm-hmm. So with that being said, man, I like them a lot. Now, when we're talking. Real quick. Mm-hmm. You know they have two Mountaineers as well. Yeah, but the GMU guys carry the team. You know. That. Well, that's okay. I'm just, I'm just saying. Yeah. I'm picking up what you're putting down. It's cool. Charles Sims and Keith Handy. That's, that's cool. So look at that. I mean, maybe. Hold on. You know, if they didn't have that guy at quarterback, we could declare them our mistress team, Motsi. I'm just saying, man. They fit all the criteria. They're in the NFC. They got the Mountaineers and the Dukes. Uh, but I can't. No, as long as as long as long that guy's at the helm, that can't be my mistress team. Can't do it. I don't have a problem with it. So with that being said, man, I like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, man. Um, I think... I can see them being an 11-win team. I don't think they have the same ceiling as the Saints because I think I the Saints have the better roster. I agree. But I do think that they're within a game or two of them. So I can see 11 wins for them as best-case scenario. And worst case, honestly, I don't see them being no worse than nine wins. I think they have that talented of a roster. And let's be real, even if things are going disaster, disaster, uh, just in a disastrous manner, hmm. Tom Brady yeah. is the equalizer. Yep. Tom Brady is the the calming voice. Tom Brady is the person who's been through every situation. You talk about scandal. You talk about success. You talk about being the favorite. You talk about being the underdog. <laughs> you talk about nobody respecting him. Being the guy that's on the bench yeah. versus being the guy that now everybody calls the greatest of all time. Absolutely. Like, you, there is going to be – there's not going to be a moment he's, that's too big for he's Brady. He's lived out that football spectrum. Yeah, there's not going to be a moment that's too big for Brady. There's not going to be something that surprises Brady. Brady is going to be just fine, and that offense is going to rally around him. That offense is no different than with Big Ben here in Pittsburgh. Everything could be going bad. As long as that guy's out there, you know you have a chance because they're going to rally and they're going to elevate their play because of him, and he's going to make them around him better. That's the type of player he is. So worst case, absolutely worst case, they still win in nine games. I'm picking up what you're putting down. 
are we both then uh, safe to say we are both picking the New Orleans Saints to win the division? By default, yes. If this is a regular offseason, I got the Bucks winning it. Really? Yeah, but because Ooh. of this offseason right now, the continuity, I think that it takes the Bucks a couple of more. It's going to take them a couple of games at the beginning to get up to speed. And those couple of games could be a loss here or there, which we know if, in a division like this. If you start 2-2 two and two or you start 1-3. and three, That could change and everything. And the Saints are 3-1. and yes. one. That, that changes everything. Right and there. I think that's going to be a scenario here where early on I think the Bucks will struggle. I think they might get you a nice game either the first game or the third game in that window. They might be one and two after three weeks. Right. That and that's that like realistic. Yeah. But then I think by the time – Heck, the Patriots were one and two after three exactly. weeks a lot of time. I think by the time we, – we we always talk about with the Patriots too. You catch them early. Yes. You get yeah, them the first four weeks right. of the season. You got a You shot. got a chance. Yeah. After after week six, week seven, you don't want to see that. Good luck. And I think – Unless you're Joe Hayden at Heinz Field. Obviously. Yeah. I think that's going to be a similar situation with Tampa I think yeah early on they're going to struggle they're going to have bumps and bruises they're going to have some really good performances and some performances where you're like man are these guys going to even be able to, to to win five games like it's looking <laughs> rough right now but after that they'll hit their stride around week six week seven and then we know the rest how it's going to play out but the thing is when you're in a division with the Saints the Saints are going to be coming out from week one hitting on all cylinders and only getting better so that's the only reason why I say by default I think the Saints get the they'll win the division this year I have got the Saints as well, Arthur Motes. That'll do it for our ceiling floor conversation today. We will wrap it up tomorrow with the NFC West. Ooh, that'll be a fun one. A division that could very easily be the best in football this year. That is where we will close out. Like, really? Like, yeah. Like, Like, I think what we talked about with the the AFC North and when it was us, Cincinnati, and Baltimore mm-hmm. going to the playoffs on back-to-back years. Mm-hmm. They could have a very similar situation. They could have man. a similar situation, but without the Browns going like 1-15 in Correct. their division as yes. well, too. Because I forget that that happened during that same time frame. It was like yeah. three really good teams. And then just and then, one and terrible then the team. Like, this could be three really good teams and one team who wins like seven games. Yeah, absolutely, man. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So it'll be fun. We'll talk about the NFC West. We'll do that tomorrow on Friday as we, uh, as we finish off our floor and ceiling conversation. A reminder that our Steelers coverage on SNR is brought to you by PNC Bank. PNC Bank is the official bank of the Pittsburgh Steelers. We're going to take a break here. On the other side, Arthur Motes, mm-hmm. Mike Tomlin spoke today. The head coach, the bench boss, speaking to the media this morning. We will hear what Coach T had to say on the other side. He is Arthur Motes. I'm Wesley Euler. This is Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Steelers training camp media availabilities are presented by your neighborhood Ford store. A reminder that the Ford F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. We have a few philosophies, a few uh creeds a few rules we abide by here upon the Steelers Blitz one of them is when the head coach speaks we listen and Mike Tomlin did that this morning uh spoke to members of the Pittsburgh media and folks he uh had some interesting tidbits about training camp and full pratted packed it full prat <laughs> who is that I'm so excited <laughs> I can't even <laughs> whoa wow Full batted practice. Full batted practice. All right. Blue blah practice. No uh, ears. I, was, <laughs> <laughs> I told you I'm trying to learn how to speak French. All right. What? It's just, 
full padded practice. All right, you say that five times fast, Mr. Uh, you know, Mr. Linguist over there. Oh, man. Mr. Speech Pathologist Arthur Motes. <sighs> full padded practice. Full padded practice. Full padded practice. Full padded practice. Full padded. Can't do it. There you go. How much wood? 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 Chuck? Chuck? Wood? Chuck? Chuck? Wood? We have a few simple rules here on the show. All right. There's only one rule, and that's that there's no rules. But rule number two is that when Mike Tomlin speaks, we listen. Here's what the head coach had to say this morning. For us, we're still, you know, transitive week for us. We're still, you know, transitioning into football, and there's some, a lot of significant work to be done in that regard. Um, you know, more than anything, we're talking about uh, culture building things, how we practice, how we compete professionally, how we compete appropriately based on attire. Um, this week, we're now in helmets. And so we talk about some environmental things that we value in the, in the work that we can get done when you're working in helmets, some things that we need to stay away from in terms of shoulder contact and in an effort to keep everyone healthy and upright. Um, we're still familiarizing ourselves with, with, with some of the newer people and, and their skill sets uh, relative to their positions and, and getting to know uh, one another in that way. Uh, that includes uh, the positioning of people, particularly in the, in the special teams area. Um, that's something that really has our attention in this environment uh, with no preseason games. Uh, it's important that we make thoughtful decisions about the placement of people uh, in the special teams capacity, but also um, once we get in place, um, the, the competitive aspect of practice and, and, and creating an environment where we can make some evaluations in that area uh, is something that's on uh, at the front of our minds as we continue to get adjusted to what we're doing here. Um, but largely it's been a good week, much like I said a week ago, uh, continually impressed with the things uh, that were important to us coming into this environment. The overall conditioning of the group, they're continuing to display good uh, good preparedness in that area. Uh, and the rest of it is just uh, teaching and learning. And I like the attitudes that everyone is bringing in regards to that. Um, I'll be happy to open it up for questions. Okay, the first question is coming from Dale Lawley from DK Pittsburgh Sports. Dale, go ahead. Hey, Mike, uh, you, you referenced uh, finding, figuring, finding things out about the new guys. One of your new guys is, is uh, Derek Watt, fullback. Obviously, he's going to be a big part of that, that special teams group. But what can he bring to your offense that uh, maybe a, a new wrinkle or, or just a, a something uh, that, that maybe you haven't used as much with the fullback in recent years? You know, I think we're in the process of discovering that as we familiarize ourselves with him and, and his skill set, skill sets and the things that he does well. Um, the, the known um, – aspect of his game that was really attractive to us was his um, high level of productivity in special teams. I think he and Tyler led the NFL in special teams tackles a year ago. And because we had an opportunity to play against his team last year, we also were, were very respectful of his functional fullback skills. But some of the off the beaten path things, maybe some of the additional uh, things, uh, we're going to learn about him along the way. Okay, next question is Mike Pursuta from WDVE. Mike, go ahead. Mike, are, are you on schedule? Will you, in fact, have the pads on starting Monday? And is it going to look like a traditional camp? Will you be doing backs on backers, wide receiver, DB, Oklahoma, live tackling, the, the stuff that we're used to seeing? You know, that's our intent. Um, but we're also willing to adjust 
um, based on what it is that we see. Um, from a staffing standpoint, we're very thoughtful about our long-term planning or, or not doing so. Um, getting familiar with the level of conditioning that these guys are coming to us in and, and getting a feel for the ability to take in and retain information that was delivered to them remotely are, are two of the key variables that determine the pace in which we move. And so those are our intentions, but we're, we're willing to adjust based on what transpires between now and then. Um, and that's really our mentality about this, this next month or so. We realize there's certain boxes that need to be checked between now and when we step into a stadium, but we also realize that we might have to alter the pace of some of those intended plans based on the readiness or lack thereof of the group. And, um, you know, so we're just acknowledging that and, 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 and openly being willing to, to be flexible when appropriate. Okay, next question is from Joe Rutter from the Tribune Review. Joe, go ahead. Uh, how important is it to you to, to have continuity on the offensive line and especially coming in with a shortened camp and the way the season is to have, you know, three veterans that have been in there and done so much for you guys and Al, Dave, and uh, Marquise? You know, uh, particularly in this environment, I think continuity is an asset. Um, you know, in the offensive line, um, it probably gives you an advantage in terms of some of the unforeseen things that you could see in stadiums at the early portions of the season that you don't have a lot of video evidence of uh, that shared past experience that those guys have uh, has a potential to be an asset to them, no doubt. Um, but we're also going through some transition there. We've been looking exclusively at Matt Filer at left guard. Um, he's also been a part of us, but he's been playing right tackle and uh, the two right tackle guys that have been rotating have, have gotten opportunities in the recent past that tight ends report as eligible and such. Uh, we're, we, we're hoping that that playing experience and, and particularly that shared playing experience is an asset to a group in, in, some, in some unique times and stepping into, step into regular season stadiums without any video evidence of personalities or, or schematics of opponents uh, is something that's worrisome. Next question is from Brooke Dreyer from ESPN.com. Brooke, go ahead. Hey, Mike, uh, when we talked to David Castro earlier this week, he was pretty blunt in his assessment of last year and just said that it sucked and he felt like things snowballed and the attitude wasn't great, at least the, the way that he felt. I'm curious if you agree with his assessment on that and how do you balance taking the things you learned last year as a team while also kind of putting it in the past as you go forward this year? You know, I don't know if I would have had those choice of words, but uh, I agree with his general assessment. You know, when you're on the outside looking in at the tournament uh, that determines the eventual champion, then then that does suck. And and so, you know, our goals are clear each and every year, and that's to compete for and ultimately win a world championship. And when we're not in that conversation, we absolutely hate it. Um, in regards to this year, man, I never carry the bags from, from last year or worry about what transpired. Uh, in terms of us writing the script for, for this journey. So I'm singularly focused on that, and I'd imagine Dave is as well. I'm sure he's just courteously answering questions. Thanks. Okay, next question comes from Ed Bouchette at The Athletic. Ed, go ahead. Hey, Mike. Um, what advantage is there for a veteran team with a veteran quarterback in this special season? And... Um, uh, did, can, might that especially go on early in the uh, in the season? 
you know, I'd be speculating, Ed, I'm not going to pretend like those advantages exist or exist as absolutes. There are some advantages of continuity, like I mentioned earlier, not only in this call, but in previous calls about um, having shared experience in an unstable or uncertain environment. Uh, but we're not going to make any assumptions or, or, or find comfort in, in, in some of those facts. We're just simply going to respect the circumstances that we're in as unique and uh, as they are unique for everyone and, 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 and just respect them every day with thoughts and actions and, and prepare for the battle that lies ahead. And we know that adversity is going to be a big part of it, whether you got experience or continuity or lack thereof. Uh, that's just the nature of these NFL uh, journeys. Next question is for Aditi Pinkabala from NFL Network. Aditi, go ahead. Good morning. Uh, you've talked a lot about having to mimic game environments and practice to sort of create that same feeling. So how do you do that? And in all your history of coaching, is it just a cliche that there are certain guys who turn it on when the lights are on? Or is there a truth to that, that some guys are better game players than practice players and we may miss out on that? You know, I'm not necessarily talking about the gamer discussion when I'm talking about creating game-like circumstances. I'm talking about getting an opportunity to evaluate situational awareness, things that you don't often do in a practice setting, boxes that often get checked in preseason stadiums, such as a guy's ability to, to move from playing linebacker to left guard on punt team and knowing when to take the field and being engaged in, in transitional things like that. Or, or guys being down and distance aware as the ball moves and the chains move. Oftentimes in a practice setting, uh, the ball does not move or the ball moves in a very scripted way. So there's certain things that happen in simulated gameplay. There's certain awareness things that are displayed that, that are part of the evaluation process that we have to work to create. And I'm not necessarily talking about a guy responding to a moment and rising up in it. I'm talking about professionalism things, awareness things, uh, things that are that are common in in in-game play that aren't necessarily common in a controlled or spotted like practice setting. Okay, next question is from Wait, Will can I Gray. can I jump back for can I jump back with that second part though? Does that exist? Is there a piece of that? Or is there a gamer? Is there a guy that plays better under the lights? Or is that if, a if there is, he won't get an opportunity to display it in this environment. So he better be a he better be a practice player. <laughs> okay, Will Graves from the Associated Press. Will, go ahead. Hey, Mike. Uh, you know you talked about the guys' conditioning coming in. First of all, do you anticipate anybody not being available next week that isn't already on your that other list, the COVID list? Um, and second of all, especially with the running backs, do you have to be mindful of how you share the snaps from a physical standpoint because of the the wear and tear at, at that position? You know, I'm not going to make any speculations about people in the in the COVID protocol. I've learned quickly not to speculate about that. It's kind of like the concussion protocol, man. Uh, I'm going to very much stay in my lane in regards to comments on that. Well, no, I, um, I meant more. I meant guys that aren't like physically, like not outside of the COVID guys, that, which I assume are not, won't be available until they're cleared by the league or whatever. I meant specifically like physical ailments, guys that will for, from for football injuries or for whatever. That's what I was. That's what I meant. I'm not worried about any any long-term work missed by anyone at this juncture. Um, in regards to the depth of the running back position or the preservation of those guys, uh, at this juncture, I'm more concerned about putting them in 
in, in situations where I can get to know them and evaluate them and see them compete than I am worried about preservation at this time. Okay, a couple more. Next up, Jerry Dulac from the PG. Jerry, go ahead. All right, good morning. Uh, both your coordinators have been with you a long time, uh, going back to college, and both appear to be uh, unselfish and willing to accept um, outside input and share responsibilities. Keith works closely with you. How important is that, Mike? And is that something that is uncommon? You know, I don't know whether or not it's common or uncommon. Uh, I know that it is appreciated here. Uh, that's one of the reasons why we've had such long-standing um, business and personal relationships, speaking on those two men. Um, they don't care who gets the credit. Um, they simply want to win. Um, they display that unselfishness, unselfishness in everything that they do and have uh, over the years um, in a number of roles in a bunch of different locations. And so uh, it's important to me, um, you know, and, and I think it's a winning edge for us. But how common or uncommon that is, uh, I really can't speak to. Thank Two you. more questions. Next one, Jeff Hathorne from 93.7 The Fan. Jeff, go ahead. Hey, Mike. We talked to uh, Steve Nelson the other day, and he was telling us about that he uh, maybe feels a little underrated at his position. Do you like coaching guys that have that chip on their shoulder? And what does Nelson mean to what you do defensively? You know, I certainly like a guy that, that has an edge. Uh, a guy that'll that'll do whatever it takes to find that edge. Um, that feels like a comfortable place for Steve in terms of being overlooked for his quality of play and consistency of play. And those are the two things I really um, value about him. Um, I just told him the other day as he and I were walking down the hall that has been uh, his presence has been a, an enjoyable experience for me and us. Um, he's low maintenance. Um, he's very consistent. Um, he's highly professional. Um, he just checks a lot of boxes. And that tandem of he and Joe Hayden uh, are, are one of the central reasons uh, why we're excited about the potential of, of that back-end group. Obviously, we've got to come together and, and, and do the work. Um, but those two guys, that level of professionalism, uh, that level of consistency in terms of their day-to-day -day approach to preparation and ultimately their play, um, is really attractive to a guy in my position. Okay, final question before we let Coach go. Mark Caboli. Mark, go ahead. Uh, Mike, um, Mike, Le'Veon made a significant change in his body from year one to two. Same with Connor, and it appears that Benny Snell did the same, especially with running backs. And that span between rookie and second year, in your experiences, what clicks in them that tells them they need to go that route? You know, I think – I think not only running backs, and, I, and it's a legitimate discussion that you mentioned because of the guys that you mentioned, but I think it happens um, across all positions. I think that that continual discussion that we have about the difference between year one and year two, um, you're speculating in year one, you know in year two in terms of what's required of you, not only in the short term, but just the, 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 the overall journey itself the level of conditioning required. Um, you know, we talked quite a bit a year ago about the transformation of James Washington's body with that knowledge and understanding, for example. Uh, I believe that you guys will see a, a, a significant physical difference in Deontay Johnson, since we're talking about receivers um, along those lines this year. I think 
Um, you can look at any position and see growth and development in terms of understanding between year one and year two and appropriate actions taken because of it. Uh, whether it's guys adding bulk and strength for the for the long-term fight or whether it's guys getting lean and, and, and finding um, professional tendencies or professional rhythms in terms of diet and nutrition, there's a lot of reasons why uh, those bodies transform, but it, it has a lot to do with uh, knowledge as opposed to speculating. Mike Tomlin speaking to the Pittsburgh media this morning. A reminder, all training camp media availabilities presented by your neighborhood. Ford Store, the Ford F-150, is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Up against a break here, but on the other side, I want to ask Arthur Motes about some of those comments, particularly the pads coming on next week and what that looks like for the Steelers. We'll get into all of that as we wrap up the second hour of the show. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler, this is Steelers Blitz on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Wrapping up hour number two of the show, Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler, Steelers Blitz on SNR. Arthur Motes, we just heard from the head coach, Mike Tomlin there, and the news that I think Steeler Nation has been waiting for, Motesy. Pads go on on Monday. It's about to get real. Game changer. Hide the kids, hide your wife. Woo! I love it, I love it. Motsi, what is uh take the people through just what it's like a normal uh first day or two of padded practice at training <sighs> camp. Typically the forecast reads cloudy with a chance of that fire. <laughs> you know it's gonna be some pads popping some of them them the uh, click of the clinks going on, man. Yo, hold on, you're not just gonna you're just gonna <laughs> skate right past that. Oh my goodness. So he's always saying, man, cloudy with a chance of that thaya. Because it's going to be some hitting going on out here, man. And people going to be acting real. Ah, ah, ah. Everything starts to feel a little iffy when it's time to put mm-hmm. them pads on. Ah, coach, it hurt today. Ah, I don't really know about this one today, coach. Yeah, you learn a lot about your, 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 your teammates, your locker mate when the pads come on, baby. Ah, it's a glorious day, though, man. I tell you that. The excitement surrounded it, though, man, it doesn't matter if you're in year one or year 15, man. The yeah. pads come on. That symbolizes football is back. Because you have to remember. For a lot of us, when we started playing at the the younger ages, you didn't have a warm up period. You didn't have right. an acclimation period. You didn't have OTAs. It was football doesn't start. Okay, now I go get my equipment. First day of practice, I got pads on. Football has started. Yep. And mentally, that's how we always associated with uh, how we always associated, even in the uh, the collegiate realm. When you're doing your first day or two of training camp, it doesn't feel like you're in training camp until you put the pads on. And now you're like, oh, no, football is here now. This is real This now. is for real. It's not like when you're joking about it during OTAs. It's not like joking about it during spring ball. It's like, nah, we here. All that hard work, you, you either, you're either in shape or you're not. You either became a better person, a better player, or you did not. But now is the time that we're all going to find out. So, yeah. That's the part that we always loved, and for me, that I loved the most because I talked about how during the uh, the OTA period or even early in training camp when you're in shirts and shorts, that's more geared towards just your elite athletes. I always say these are your 
your your guys that were combine warriors or you know just guys that they're, they're typically just really good athletes but when you put the pads on a lot of that changed because the pads are the the great uh equalizer you know you might be a guy that's faster than me you might be more athletic than me you might look better running your routes or running your uh and doing your defensive drops on air you might look great in that but when it's pads on when it's time to be physical the thing you cannot account for is when i hit you in the mouth how are you gonna react to that mm-hmm. and that was the one thing that i always loved about it and Trust me, a lot of those players on that roster love that element of it, man, because you got a ton of – I mean, now, granted, it's changed throughout the past year or so where now you got a ton of just first and second round talent sure. on that team. Sure. But beforehand, there there were a good mix of undrafted or late-round draft pick guys, guys that didn't have the fanfare, the guys that don't always look the best in shirt and shorts, and that's how they would make their, their case for themselves, how they would – make you respect them. Yeah. So that never goes away. And when you talk about the excitement of first day of pads or even knowing that the first day of pads is coming because it's, it's different too when we're talking about this two weeks ago. Sure. You're like, oh, yeah, man, I mean, the pads are coming. We got two whole weeks of doing this nonsense. I'm not worried about that. When you're talking about, oh, okay, in, in about four days, yeah, we're going to be thumping. That's a game changer. A you feel different. that. L- listen, I guarantee you today, tomorrow, every day leading up to Monday – they're going to be thinking when they come into that, that locker room and they look at the pads like, ooh, all right, they there for real, for real. Dang, gone. Uh, a couple more days. Huh? Oh, man, all right. Mm. You really get to thinking about mm. it. And then I'm telling you, psychologically, it makes your body start to feel sore for no reason. <laughs> it was plenty of times in Latrobe, man, I'm coming to my locker and I'm like, we don't have pads for three days. As soon as I see my, my shoulder pads and my helmet. My hip's a little tight I'm all like, of a sudden. dude, man, it, does your back hurt? Your back hurt today? What, what you doing? I ain't doing it. I just woke up and came down. My back hurt. I saw this shoulder pads just hurt. <laughs> and I'm telling you, man, the first thing you got to put the actual, like, football pants on, whoop the pads in there. Oh, man. I'm telling you, everything changed. But the, the one benefit is this. You do sleep like a baby. That first day in pads. Yeah. That, that's probably the best sleep you will have all year because you are utterly exhausted. Because <laughs> <laughs> you, you can do all the training you want to do, wear all the weight vests you want to do. <laughs> Nothing is the same of having them pads on and going through an actual football practice. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, on. Feet, feet hurt a little different. Neck feel a little sore. Yeah. Shoulders don't feel the same. That backpack feel extra heavy when you put it on after them padded practices, baby. Arms are a little tired. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Good Quads times. are a little tight. Good times that I do not miss. I love <laughs> Good times that I do not miss. <laughs> Those are like the only good times that you do not miss, right? Yeah, that you yeah. hear people say that they do not miss. S- some great memories, but, yeah, I, I, mm, no. Just the thought of having to go back and put that. Man, my back getting tight just now. Think about it. <laughs> mm-mm. Uh, the plan, Mike Tomlin said, Arthur Motes, is for a typical phys- physical start, but he will adjust if he must. Uh, I heard that one before. <laughs> yeah, yeah, guys, I'm going to take care of y'all this year. I'm going to ease it up. We're not going to have padded practices all the time. We're not going to be in pads the whole time. I'm going to throw y'all a bone. A word. All right, what you got for us, Coach T? All right, y'all going to do the whole practice in the last seven plays of team in that last period. I'm going to take the shoulder pads off for y'all for just two days. And then after that, we're going to go back to business as usual because I don't like how it's taking too long to get the pads off and y'all getting back out there. Yeah, I've seen and heard that speech before. You better be ready to thump. That's all I'm going to say, man. <laughs> you, 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 you fall for that banana to tailpipe you want to. You will be utterly disappointed, and it's a bad situation. I'm telling you, you don't want it. Don't, don't even entertain that thought. Mm-mm, don't do it. So, Don't do it to uh, yourself. 
So I've back, seen it. So backs on backers on Monday. Is that what you're saying? No, nah, he he ain't, he ain't, he'll he'll never start off with that. He starts out with uh, you're gonna have tight ends and edge guys. Okay. Yeah, doing that. Uh, um, winning uh, was it fighting for the grass or whatever yep, situation? Yep. That's gonna be day one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah he 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 saves backs on backers. Typically would be Friday like, night flights, right. Friday night flights, which is usually that like opening the week, third or fourth day of yeah. practice, so like usually, padded practice usually. Yeah, so yeah. that's how it is. So typically that first day you're doing the grab grass drill along with the receivers and cornerbacks doing the stock blocking stuff okay. as well. Then from there you'll do routes, cover those guys one on ones because he tries to flip flop it, so he knows sure. the. Uh, when it's talking about the the grabbing ground and, and the blocking drill, that's set up traditionally for the offensive player because there is no ball, there is no snap count. You're reacting to their movement, which is crazy hard. I mean, when you're doing it in a team 11 on 11 setting, there's so many keys and telltale signs mm-hmm. like, oh, okay, I'm on the back side of the formation. I, I, I don't have to worry about these two blocks. I don't have to worry about this block. Oh, okay, it's two by two. All right, I got to play this block and that block, but it's a tackle right here, so he can only go but so far. When you're doing this, these drills and it's just you and that other person, they literally can go a thousand yards to the right, a thousand <laughs> yards to the left, forward, man. You're playing everything. It is miserable. And Ooh. Coach T in your ear talking smack the whole time, too. I, I don't care. It's going to be times where the eyes are slanted against you. You better make it work. <laughs> yes, indeed, man. I can't wait for Monday. I can't either. I can't wait for I'm going to be Monday. tuned in. I got my computer charged oh, up. I'll we're be ready. ready. We got computers. We yeah. got TVs. We're going to have Dale Lawley down there on scene. We will be ready. Yeah, whatever, whatever they are showing, we're going to find out. We will give you an evaluation of it. I'll tell you that. That is a guarantee. You could take it to the bank, baby. It is time uh, when we come back here to start our number three for another installment of our Bounce Back Candidates Conversation. Two more divisions to go. Today, we look at the AFC West. That'll be our topic du jour to start out the third hour. Oh, I hear you speak French a lot now, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You say we a lot. Oh, you speak French now? Oh, tout parlez-vous français. Keep those tweets rolling in at Wesley Euler at TheBody52. TheBody. We will get to your tweets in the final hour of the show. He's Arthur Motes. I'm Wesley Euler. You are listening to Steelers Blitz on SNR. Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Bonus hour number three inside the Electric Factory. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler with you here on the Steelers Blitz. Another hour to go until we turn things over to Mike Pursuta, Dale Lolly, and Matt Williamson. They'll have the training camp report for you from 6 to 8 p.m. Arthur Motes, our other kind of topic that we've been kicking around this week, bounce back candidates for each division in the NFL as well. We are in the AFC wrapping up here with our penultimate division. It's the AFC West, resident division of the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs. 
but we will get to them here in just a minute. Uh, because first, alphabetically, Arthur Motes, we go with the Denver Broncos. Ooh. Ooh. There's some good candidates here for the Broncos, particularly on the edge. Right, Arthur Motes? I think it's a, a two-horse race. It's Bradley Chubb and it's Vaughn Miller. Both of those guys we <laughs> yeah. know are much better than what they showed last year. Um, I think for Chubb it was maybe a little – I mean, they both – had injuries, but Chubb was more. Um, I mean, he tore his ACL in Week Four. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we're doing the kind of non-low hanging fruit with the injury guys, I'll go Von Miller. Well, I was going Von Miller. I mean, anyways, yeah, man, you're because, right. <laughs> you're right. I mean, we we talked about this a little bit with uh, the discussion with him and Khalil Mack and things like that. He came off one of his lowest performances from a sack standpoint, from an overall productivity standpoint, and I mean, forever for him. This was just a bad year. Now, I understand that there was a lot of turnover in terms of new coaching staff, in terms of losing your running mate Bradley Chubb, in terms of some of the pieces on defense being shipped out of there and a lot of, all, of, all of those other things along that nature. So, yeah, there were a lot of variables and factors planned to it, but at the end of the day, Von Miller has to improve. He has to get back to form. He has to get back to being the Super Bowl MVP, the guy that got that $100 million contract, the guy – that we know strikes fear into every tackle, coach, quarterback. I mean, anybody on offense, they fear Von Miller. You got to get back to that, man. So that's why I had to go with him as well. I mean, Bradley Chubb, you can make the case for, but, yeah, for us, understanding the injury element of it, there was nothing – other than that, there's nothing else to to really say he needs to bounce back from. Right. Right. I'm not holding you tearing your ACL and acting like four. you played bad. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Now, if it happened in week 12 and he had a down year, that's sure, different. But sure. at the four-game point of the season, man, no, nah, I, I, I'm not hearing that at all. The Kansas City Chiefs. This is a tough one because it's tough to pick a bounce-back candidate from the Super Bowl champions. Mm-hmm. How about Eric Fisher, though? Talk a lot about Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher. Fisher, <laughs> Eric Fisher was good down the stretch when he needed to be for the Chiefs, but I think overall for the season, he had some injuries early in the year that kind of hindered his performance. Again, like I said, he really took off uh, in the last like four or five games of the year and into the postseason. It's hard. I'm nitpicking. That's what you have to do with the Super Bowl champions when you're talking about a bounce back candidate. Um, I'll go with Eric Fisher. <sighs> I'm not opposed to that, honestly. Understanding the history behind Eric Fisher, where he was drafted and things along that nature, I think he's a guy that has never truly lived up to that expectation either, though. And that's my only issue with him. I think that for me to think that he could bounce back and be something that we have really never seen him be, that's my only concerns or or question marks with that. (sighs) Another guy I was thinking about was Taco, Taco Charlton, man. Ooh. Because he's a guy who, another guy with, uh, I mean, you talk about the hype surrounding him when he was drafted and things like that. Remember, he was taken ahead of one pass rusher oh. in the Pittsburgh area and things yeah. of that nature, but we saw how that played out. So ultimately, man, I think I'm going to go with him. Um, obviously, he had five sacks uh, last year in Miami, but yeah, he's got to do a lot more, man. I think him joining the Chiefs. That Chiefs defense already has a ton of pieces in place. The offensive firepower is there, so it's going to be a really good situation for him. And we can see him hopefully live up to the potential of why yeah. he got drafted where he got drafted at. Man, let's be real about this thing, you know? He he has the intangibles. 
He has the size. He has everything that you would necessarily, I mean, what you would want. Yeah. It's like, come on, man. Go ahead and make it happen, baby. That's how I look at it. I like least. that call by you, Arthur Motes. I you like that call. Last, because I mean, let's be real, man. When you drafted ahead of TJ White as a pass rusher, oh, you better be decent. <laughs> exactly. Come on, man. I'm not even saying great. You just better be decent. Tack, talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> the Las Vegas Raiders. Should I do it, Arthur Motes? You want to do it? Do I have to do it to him? I think you should do it because I'm gonna do it if you don't do it. Are you? Are we on the same page here? I think we are. Marcus Mariota. Yeah? Look at us. I mean, I tell you what, we are simpatico, Dude, you, baby. You, you, you saw the year he had? Yeah. And you saw what he got him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, who 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 are we going to talk about other than that, man? I, I, I don't know. I would say you can go Jonathan Abrams, but that's the whole injury element Jason of it. Jason Witten going to have yeah. a really good year with the Raiders. Come on, man. He's, he's 60. <laughs> no. <laughs> He's just trying not to get back in the booth because he understands the, the the difficulties in that thing, man. Zay Jones, big year for the Raiders? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ah, it's Nate Peterman. That's who it is. Now we're talking, baby. Hey, Nate. Nate, Nate, Nate. Uh, no, I... I think I think there's a legitimate chance that Marcus Mariota yes. could end up starting more than yes. half of the game, like, <laughs> yes. like by week four, or week five, and and go the rest of the way. Yeah, I honestly, you know what? I don't even know why I'm thinking about this one that hard. It's easy. It's Marcus Mariota. Moats, I don't know if he's ever going to live up to the pedigree of where he was drafted, right? Mm-hmm. And you and I have talked a little about how it's it's tough for that in quarterbacks in that regard because they're so often overdrafted because right. it's just such a position of need for so many teams. Without holding that against him, right? Like, I still think Marcus Mariota could be a serviceable, serviceable NFL quarterback. I think he could be a, he could be a Teddy Bridgewater. He could be a Tyrod Taylor, right? Like, I, I think he can have that skill set. I, I really can. I, I I know he has that skill set. I think he can have that ability uh, to win games and 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 lead teams as well too. I'll go with Marcus Mariota. Fresh uh, fresh scenery, new scenery in Viva Las Vegas. Is it Viva Las Vegas? Viva Las Vegas. But yeah, man, without a doubt, it has to be Mariota, man. We saw the hype around him. We saw how everything played out with him in Tennessee and how that ultimately opened the door to Ryan Tannehill taking over down there and then ultimately playing himself into a, a very nice contract extension. Those are the things that they wanted for Mariota. They gave Mariota every single opportunity. Yeah. And then some. And he just never really lived up to it. And honestly, he has to be the guy to bounce back. And I agree with you. I think he's going to get an opportunity. And I think it's going to happen sooner than later. Yeah. Because we know, first off, how Gruden feels about his quarterbacks. We know how he feels about Mariota in particular. And they've already shown that they're not bent on Derek Carr being their guy. They, I mean, shoot, they were bringing in different quarterbacks. Well, even Kyler Murray, think about that. Yeah. They were bringing him in there when they had it, and they had a realistic chance of moving up. Yep. If the Cardinals didn't take him at one, so without a doubt, man, they they definitely are not completely sold on him. It's got to be Mariota, and I said if you don't want to go Mariota, it, it, just for conversational purposes, we can go with your other boy from Philly, Nelson Aguilar. He's another guy you can mm. go with as well, man. Who. Yeah, you gonna go with alligator arms, Aguilar hey, over here, man. huh? Hey, hey, look, Aguilar is like he's a he's a lightning rod topic, man. He is. Some people like him, some people can't stand him. Please tell me you saw that news clip last I year. I did. Right. I definitely did. They look, were they there was throwing a fire. the babies out. I, there was a fire, yeah. and they were throwing babies out of the window, and I was yeah, catching man. them, unlike Aguilar. Yeah, bro. 
And the thing is, it's like when Aguilar, I mean, when he's been hot, like the 17 and 18 season, it's good. Uh, 700 plus receiving yards, 60 receptions, mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah. Hey, he was a first round pick for a reason. Yeah. I mean, he, he does have talent. It's just the consistency associated yes. with it. Yes. So that's the only It's been more between thing. the ears for him than it has yes. been uh, the, the talent level on the field. Absolutely. So I was like, you know, if if I didn't want to go Mariota, he would have been my other option. But other than that, man, I, I still feel like it has to be Mariota. And I think it's more likely that Mariota can bounce back. Yes. Whereas I, with Aguilar, I, I think that's – I agree. He's always going to be that type of player. It's no different than uh, than, than Hey Bay, Darius Hayward Bay. Yes. All yes. the talent in the world, but you knew – Good comparison. Sometimes, like, man, it's not going to be consistently at this level all the time. It's going to get in its own way sometimes. So, yeah, I look at it the exact same way, man. I dig it. Arthur Motes, I dig it. Last here on our list man, I for today. My, I should have threw my former teammate Sam Young in there, man. Ooh. Shout out to Sam. He got a sneaky 11-piece going on right now. I love it, baby. I love it. Ooh. You. Former teammate, part of the same draft class, was picked, I think, one pick behind me. Really? Yeah, yeah, because it was, it was me, him, and uh, DG Kareem, running back from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Okay. Southern Illinois cat. Absolutely, I love, man. I love how you remember that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those were my dudes, man. <laughs> Last but not least here, Arthur Motes, the artist formerly known as the San Diego Chargers, now known as the Los Angeles Chargers. They've got some decent candidates in this conversation, too. They do. How about Desmond King, though? The cornerback. The all-pro. Yeah, I mean, this guy was really good. I mean, really good two years ago. Last year, he struggled yeah, a little he bit. Made, he made all-pro as a, was a returner and a DB. Correct. That year. Correct. Absolutely. Yes. Um. And so his second year in the season was lights out, one of the, one of the best corners in the league in 2018. Last year, he struggled a little bit. Um, some of that could have been related to Derwin James's absence and maybe more responsibilities for him in the secondary. I'm sure that will help in this regard, too. Um, you know, maybe Desmond King isn't. He's not Tredavis White or he's not Jalen Ramsey, but I still think he is. It's definitely when he's healthy, when he's productive. You don't become an all-pro by now. Exactly. Exactly. He's, he's a there, top baby. 10 corner in yes. the National Football League. I expect him to return to that form this season. Yeah, man. I like that a lot. Um, and I like it because he wasn't an injury guy. Because I look at the right. roster, I'm like, uh, Mike Pouncey, you could throw him mm-hmm. in there. Derwin James obviously came back mm-hmm. and played five games. I mean, Derwin but... James is the bit. The it's like the Ben Roethlisberger for the yes. Steelers one. Like he is a stud. They need him, and he missed all of last year. Yeah, he 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 was the reason why everybody was so high on the Chargers, and in particular that Chargers defense, solely because of him. But man, yeah, as I'm checking them out, man, it's the guys that were good were really good and then like you said the rest of them you just kind of right. have your doubts on them they don't have much of a middle class on that they team don't. like they have a lot of really good guys and then they have a lot of c you know yeah they have a lot of 2.0 students well, a lot you know of 4.0 what? students and a lot of 2.0 students the guy I'm going with man is my 757 brother man Tyrod Taylor we talked about how Ooh. his last time being the starting quarterback was in Cleveland. We saw that played out with ultimately Baker Mayfield taking over, what, three or four games into it, that Thursday night game versus the Jets. With Tyrod, man, he's been a guy that has been able to lead a franchise to the playoffs before. He did it in Buffalo. They were struggling. They were going through their transition and things like that. He's been in a situation similar to what he's in right now with having the the future of the franchise, the first-round quarterback sitting behind you as well. I think he's the guy that has to bounce back, though. Less what we saw in Cleveland, more what we saw in Buffalo. What he, what he did in Buffalo that last year leading into the playoffs is ultimately yeah. what led him to the opportunity to get a nice contract to go to Cleveland. We, ne- we need to see that. 
especially in an offseason like now, especially with Anthony Lynn giving you the stamp of approval, saying that, hey, he's extremely comfortable in you being the starting quarterback. I think everything is pointing to you getting those opportunities, especially early on. Hmm. Show your improvement. Show that you've grown from that Cleveland uh, stance and show that you're back to, you know, your successful ways that what you were doing in Buffalo. I like it, Arthur Motes. I like it. That will do it for that conversation for today. Again, you got questions, comments, concerns, reactions to any of this, you can find us on Twitter at Wesley Euler at TheBody52. The body. And, uh... Yeah, that's uh that's our breakout candidates for the AFC West. You know who one guy you that we, you, oh, go, ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I was just gonna say one guy that we didn't talk about. Although you looked like you had something good that you were about to rip on me there. For no, no, you I good, don't want you, I don't want you to lose your thought. Oh no, you good. I was just gonna say you know one guy we didn't talk about. Um, who I think might really be poised to finally break out. That quarterback from the Kansas City Chiefs. What's his name again? Oh, uh, Matt Moore. He did ball out. <laughs> yeah, he did step up in a big way last year. Can we get a can we get a, a another version of that? He's gonna get another opportunity, man. I can feel it. Is that quarterback? From from the Big Twelve, I'm telling you, man, Matt Moore is that guy. <laughs> you saw what he did in a limited limited capacity, man. Uh, keep those tweets coming in here. Arthur Motes and I will answer them uh, uh, before we get out of here in this hour. We will also on the other side here. It is a Thursday. All right, that means a couple things on the show. It obviously Uh-oh. means our buddy Brian Backo joins us in the first hour. Facts. It also means that we have a little three-question Thursday. My favorite thing to do on a Thursday. So we will do that on the other side, a three-pack of questions for Arthur Motes. We will get to your tweets as well. So, again, keep them coming in. You've got us for another 45 minutes here and then two hours of the training camp report. So plenty more good stellar talk to come right here on SNR. This is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Our Steelers coverage is brought to you by PNC Bank. PNC Bank is the official bank of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Arthur Motes, it's time for everybody's favorite segment on a Thursday. A little three-question Thursday. Three pack of questions. It's a simple concept for those of you who uh, might be, um, you know, joining us for the first time or picking up some new listeners here with training camp. It's, again, real simple. I ask Arthur Motes a three pack of questions. Now, usually during the football season, two of them are football related, but they're from outside of the Steelers bubble, right? Because we talk 95% Steelers on the show during the season. So three question Thursday is our chance that maybe I ask Arthur Motes some, some football questions that are not related to the Steelers usually. And then we have a goofy pop culture question that's, you know, it can be about food. It can be about movies. It can be about whatever. Well, you know, during the off season, it tends to go the opposite way. Maybe there's like one question about sports and two questions that are a little bit goofy, but either way is always awesome, but it's always fun. And Arthur Motes, let's get right into it today. Three question Thursday. Question number one. Arthur Motes, what is a food or foods that you used to hate when you were growing up, when you were younger, that you find yourself enjoying now? A food that I hated when I was younger that I enjoy now? I feel like we all have this, right? You taste cauliflower. Oh. Yes, cauliflower, especially when you uh, when you grill it or when you're, you're – uh, 
you could bake it. You could do all type of stuff with the cauliflower. I used to hate it when I was younger. Now I'm like, yo, throw the cauliflower with the regular broccoli, and we're going to make this thing shake, boo-boo. Yes, sir. Cauliflower. I feel like it's a, it, it's a lot of veggies and fruits for people. Yeah. Like tomatoes is a big one for me. I would never. No? Nah. I'm cool on that. But you're good. You like ketchup, right? And Barely. 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 Ooh. Yeah. What about marinara sauce? Barely? I'm not a big red sauce guy. I mean, I'll Interesting. eat it. Like, I'll do the spaghetti and stuff like that, but yeah, I'm I'm cool on, on all that. I'm a more hot sauce guy than a ketchup guy, honestly. Like, I'd rather have a hamburger with just hot sauce on it than a hamburger with ketchup. Or give me a hot okay. dog with hot sauce on it instead of a hot dog with ketchup on it. Or I really prefer it with chili. That, that oh, really, well, yeah. yeah, now you know That's you're speaking really my language. I mean, with, yeah. the only hot dog is a chili dog. You and I yeah. have had that conversation before. For me, too, in this, Arthur Moats, like, a lot of different types of fish. Serious? Yeah, like, when I was a kid, I, you know, I feel like that's a kid thing. Like, you don't really eat, you know, you might be See, we never, like, I was never really exposed to fish growing up like yeah. that. I think all I had was, like, was the little, the the the, the box fish that, oh, man, <laughs> with the dude with the raincoat, you know what I'm talking I see, Long I can, John Silvers? Not even Long John. <laughs> I forgot the dude's name, but you, you got, like, the yellow raincoat with the hat and stuff. Oh, wait. Uh, oh, man. <laughs> oh, what was it? It's not Gorman's, is it? Is it <sighs> Gorman's? Oh, man. I'm drawing a blank. Hold on. I'm, it's Gorton. It's, it's something with a G, it's, right? It's Gorton's, I think. Gorton's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, when, like, my parents have always, you know, salmon and shrimp and, and halibut and sea bass and all that stuff. When I was a kid, I wasn't really a fan. Now, I, lo- I love salmon. I love salmon mozi. I I love sea bass. I love halibut. I love any kind of yellow tail. Oh, fish, tomatoes. Those are the big ones for me that mm. I didn't like growing up that I do like now. How, where do you stand on mushrooms? How about <sighs> onions too? Mushrooms and onions. I feel like those are the other ones that, that divide a crowd. And it's called Gortons. That's what it's called. Gortons. Yeah, Gortons. yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, but um, when it comes to onions, they have to be diced up extremely small. You can cook with them. I don't have an issue with it. But for it to be in my food, I need it diced up. Uh, mushrooms. I've never been a mushroom guy. I think I've had stuffed mushrooms like maybe once or twice. It was straight, but it's not really my thing. Nah. Yeah, I'm not. I'd much rather have diced up onions than mushrooms oh, or yeah. anything. Yeah. I put onions like on almost every. I mean. Yeah. Like. Anything that you're doing grill wise, you, know, mm-hmm. you grill some onions with it too. It's like I said, from a flavor standpoint, like it tastes good for that. For, yes. But for me, like to eat it, I don't want yes. to consume no, it. I'm with you on that. Cook with it, but don't I think have that's kind of like man. how I am with like mushrooms too. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like if it's cooked with in a recipe, that's yeah. fine. But I'm never just gonna like straight up. Right. Oh, I want some portobello mushrooms or some stuffed mushrooms. Nah, fam. I'll pass on that. Three question Thursday. Question number two. That was actually a good one, right? There. I like that. Listen, man, Arthur Moats, those are the only kind of questions I I like. like. Those are the only kind of questions I ask, baby. Three question Thursday. Question number two. Arthur Moats, I'm sure if you saw the news, but if you did not, earlier this week, Deion Sanders, your boy, prime time. Oh, man, he's shooting bad right now, bro. He left the NFL Network and took a job with He joined your boy. Barstool Sports. Your boys. Arthur Moats, simple question for you. Uh Uh-huh. Smart or not so smart? I think for Prime, it doesn't matter. I think he's one <laughs> think of those. You, I think yeah, you're right. He, he's so big in terms of his name and his brand that it does not matter where he goes. 
he's ultimately going to elevate their brand because of who he is. Now, do I think that he's going to get along with the people at Barstool? Do I think that they're, they're going to share opinions on some of these sports-related topics? Not at all. But if you're prime, I mean, yeah, prime's just going where the dollar is. They said, hey, we'll pay you. <laughs> we'll pay you with, with NFL Network. They didn't want to pay you. Don't worry about it. So for prime, he's good. He's always making money moves. But his NFL career even showed that. He's mercenary. He's not doing it for the love of the team. He's doing it for the dollar, which I respect. As long as, you, as long as you're committed to that style and you keep that same energy, I'm all for it. But, yeah, for Boston, I think it's a, a, a huge pickup for them, man. Yeah. I think you're right I knew for it was Dion. Your boys too, man. For stop it. For Dion, uh, it doesn't really matter, right? I mean, because you're right. He's such a brand now. Prime is such a brand now. He could go wherever. He's gonna be fine. And I also think too, part of it might just be like a step back for him in a way, right? Yeah. Because let's be honest, like at Barstool, he'll be able to call his own shots. Mm-hmm. You know, he like I mean, he's not he's not Dave Portnoy. Right? Like he's not like the boss there. But I mean. He's gonna he's, he's gonna have a lot more autonomy to do what he wants than he did at the NFL Network. Let's put it that way. And, and I'll put it this way too: NFL Network, even though he was prime, he still was one of many. Correct. He he didn't have Stephen A. Smith type pool with NFL Network because hey, you're a first ballot Hall of Famer. Okay, cool. I got twenty other first ballot Hall of Famers <laughs> right, working here. Right. Oh, you're a Super Bowl champ. Okay, cool. I got twenty other Super Bowl champs working here. <laughs> right. Whereas at Barstool, he's going to he's be he's going to be the guy. He's Stephen A. over there. He is the, yes. the alpha. He is the big wig because yes. yeah, there is literally nobody else on his level there, especially when it comes to the football range of it. I mean, they got guys. I think Willie Colon is a part of Barstool and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Yes, I know McAfee uh, used to used be to a be. part of it, but he's yep. not there anymore. And I'm not with them right now either, so don't have to worry <laughs> about that. But they do have some some guys, yeah, but nobody. But not Deion Sanders. Nowhere near that man. Yeah. And, and even with uh, with Portnoy. He's not even as big as Prime Tom. No, Let's no, be no, real no. about it. No I way. mean, whether we're talking money, Brandon, whatever it is, he's not even up there right. just yet. So, yeah, for Prime, it's a great situation for him, man. He's winning. Yeah, I think he's just going to kind of do what he wants. He probably won't be working as much, but, but he'll have he more freedom. But does he always do what he wants? I mean, that's true. <laughs> like, what are we talking about? It's that's Prime true. Time, man. You're going to have that podcast game blowing up, that's for sure. Three question Thursday. Question number three. Arthur Motes, today is a very special anniversary in my life. It's an anniversary. Very important thing in my life. Celebrating an anniversary today. South Park, the television show, premiered Mm -hmm. 23 years ago today, Arthur Motes. And it is, without a doubt, my favorite TV show of all time. So on this glorious day of the 23rd anniversary of South Park, I ask you, Arthur Motes, what's your favorite TV show of all time? My favorite TV show of all time, man. This is kind of difficult. I don't really have one. That's, uh, you know what? I go the original Batman cartoon series. Ooh, yeah, yeah. You remember when they came when they okay. came with the movie Batman Mask of the, uh, the Mask of the Phantasm and everything like that? Mm. Like that era, that cartoon. Let's Batman. do this. Okay, so favorite cartoon, like because you you threw South Park in there. I know, That's you're a right. tone. And I was gonna say cartoon, and South Park is a cartoon, but it's not a cartoon in the way that like Batman's a cartoon. What you mean? It's a cartoon. It's it just is, different. It's, it's kind of like a the little, Simpsons. It's, 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 it's yeah, it's kind of tailored to a different. Not it just and it's it's still a cartoon. You're no, you're absolutely yeah. right. It is it is certainly a cartoon. Okay. Ooh, you got options. Don't 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 pigeonhole my, yourself, my, you know, No no no. South Park's my favorite TV show of all time. I yeah. mean, it doesn't matter what qualifiers you put on it or anything. It, it is certainly South Park. 
But now you just got me thinking of like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoons that I loved growing up. Those were awesome. If too. we're talking like traditional cartoons, drama. It doesn't have to be but no, I know you're right. Okay, okay. So, you, so cartoons, so cartoons, we got yeah. that covered. I mean, and, and those are our favorites in general. Period. Yeah. Do you have a favorite, like a favorite drama, right? Like a Game of Thrones or a Breaking Bad or The Wire or Law mm. and Order. Oh, let me think. Did I name all the big ones? I'm not going to offend any uh, fan base over here, am I? Nah, I mean, who cares? The right? Sopranos. Um, dude, I don't know. That's tough. I mean, because all those are good. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think any of those pop up is like me saying, "Oh, that's my favorite." Really? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's weird. I, you know hmm. what? I probably go with the Shield because okay. I have. The nostalgia element of it, of growing up watching that with my father. I remember that was like a big deal for us. And it was always an exciting. The storyline was easy to get into. It was always action every episode. It wasn't as complex of a writing of like The Wire or The Ozark where you need like you multiple gotta, episodes. And you got to follow stuff. intently yeah. every second. It wasn't yeah. like that. But it was still really good. So I would either go The Shield or I'm going to go old school New York Undercover. Mm. Yeah, man. That, that, was, that was my jam. I just love that show too, baby. My favorite drama type, I think I would go with Breaking Bad. I think I would. Breaking Bad was fire. That's tough to top. I mean, Breaking Bad is one of the all-time greatest shows, man. Like, there, it's definitely in that category. It is. A Game of Thrones would have been up there for me, too. But, man, just the last two seasons. That's what I hear, man. I'm a big fan of The Wire. Like, see, big I'm, I'm going to let you know, I've never watched Game of Thrones, man. Like, point blank, period, none of it? Yeah, none of it, man. It's an investment. That's what I hear. What you should do is watch the first four seasons and then pl- then just pretend the whole world blows up and that was it. That's what I hear. Just a giant that, meteor comes and takes out the whole universe. Trust then me, that, that's go. what I've heard, man. Then you're good to go. I'm trying to think, too. I feel like there's like one or two. that we, I, I mentioned The Sopranos. That was just kind of before my time. I, I like The Sopranos, but it's just kind of before my time. See, like I, I love that type of stuff, though, like the, the mafiosos me too. and me all too. that. Yeah. Um, I loved, absolutely loved the first two or three seasons of The Walking Dead, and it's kind of, it, it, it lost me well, in see, like the I'm, fifth or sixth I, I'm season. In, I, I've recently restarted watching that. I'm on like season five How many right seasons now. are they even on now? I think it's 11. Are you serious? Yes, dude. Jeez. Yes. Yeah, I'm stopped, on five right now. I stopped at like five or six. Yeah. Wow. That's a, it's a lot of seasons. Yes, dude. Yes. <laughs> That's a lot of seasons. Yeah, but okay. I like it. South Park's my favorite. The original Batman cartoons for you. I like it. We're cartoon guys. That's what we found out today. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, it's cartoons and then everything else. Do you have a cart? any like modern cartoons? Like, are you a Rick and Morty guy at all? Are you an Adventure Time guy at all? Actually, I'm the... Uh... <laughs> Oh, I'm drawing a blank on it. Um, Teen Titans. Teen Titans? That's yeah, because you obviously got the nostalgia with the little Robin, Beastly, and all of them. Yeah, yeah, that, that's, yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> it's like always that. funny. I like Gosh. that. <laughs> That'll do it for Three Question Thursday. That only means one thing, knuckleheads. Last chance to get those tweets in. We will take your tweets on the other side. We've gotten a few already. We will answer those. For those of you who have not gotten those Twitter fingers worked out today, Uh, Tweet now or forever hold your peace for the next 21 hours. Arthur Motes, Wesley Euler, inside the Electric Factory. We will wrap up the show on the other side. You are listening to Steelers Blitz on SNR. My grandma and your grandma were sitting by the fire. My grandma told your grandma, I'm gonna set your flag on fire. Talking about hit now, hit now, hit now, hit now. This I
is the Steelers Blitz with Wesley Euler and Arthur Motes on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Wrapping up the show here, as we always do, with your reaction on the Twitter.com. Let's not waste any time. Let's get right to it here, Motsi. Um, G Rob, though, chiming in. It's been a while since we've heard from G Rob all the know, way. You man. know, my, my Iowa State, my Big 12 brethren, my Midwest guy, G Rob. Uh, he says, anything HBO does is great, but I think I've got to say that Dexter may be my favorite show of all time. You said Dexter's Laboratory? <laughs> Dexter, about, you know, America's favorite serial killer, you know? Uh, he also said, talking about cartoons, it's got to be the regular show. I do like the regular show. You ever watched the regular show? I did not, no. no? It's it's a good one. It's another one of those new like modern cartoons. Okay. It's got some adventure time vibes. It's okay. it's 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 a I like it. That's a good call there by G Rob. Uh David wants to know, you know, um speaking, and shout out to David too, man. He came back with the fire with the photoshops today. He he put that happy valley to the side and uh He touched my heart. He t- <laughs> I just want to let him know I appreciate you, David. That that meant a lot to me. I, I a tear of joy came from my face when I saw that one. Now, see, David might be asking you to uh, incriminate yourself here. Oh, I like this. Or somebody else. But we don't have to name any names. I'm a name dropper. David said, you know, uh, speaking of this story of sneaking girls into team hotels. Oh, whoa. Wait now. I want to know the craziest thing that Motsi has ever done or seen during his time in the league. What? <laughs> Not a chance. <laughs> you crazy. Put it like this. I, you know what? Just for the sake of... Uh, there's got to be a funny story that's well, appropriate no, no, no. that you can... Well, I was going to simply say, just for the sake of staying on the topic of sneaking people in... Sure, sure. This would have been my second year? No, my first year being married. Okay. Playing Buffalo still. Okay. Now, at the time, my wife was still living in Virginia, so we hadn't seen each other since I had left for camp. I'm like, man, I miss my wife. She missed me, obviously. And... Yeah, we're trying to figure out, okay, I know I got this West Coast road trip. How can I get her out here so I can see her? Sure. So we were playing in San Diego at the time. So I remember I literally flew her out there. Wait, hold on. Was this? No, never mind. Sorry. I was going to ask if it was the Michael Vick game, but that would have no, been, no, 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 been way no, no, no. later. Yeah, this, this is this 2011 yeah, right yeah, here. Yeah, they were still with the Bills. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So literally I remember getting her hotel room. Like two floors because I had to figure out okay which floors are occupied by the team. Sure. So I got hers two floors down, right? So so mind you, I'm, when, li- I'm liking this story. So so mind you, I've had multiple teammates because I had to check with them like, yo, what's the protocol? Like, how do y'all go about doing this? Because I know we've had guys that do this, and they're like, well, typically you know we don't stay the whole night. We'll either go and then come back, whatever it may be. But you got to make sure that your room isn't where the security guard can see you. Security guards in the middle of the floor. Mm. Now my room and my is that ro- typical? By the way, not to is like is the team station security guards on the floors. Oh on, yeah, yeah, absolutely yeah. But but the and thing that person is, like stays up all night. All and, night, yeah. Okay. And, and the thing traditionally is you'll have security guards by the elevators, and they'll sometimes do it by the uh, by the staircases okay. as well. Okay, just in case somebody wants to sneak up. Sure. But you know, okay, throughout the night they're gonna either rotate shifts or that guy's gonna go on a walk. But you got to time it up. But you also got to know that I got bed check coming on as well. So through bed check, I know, okay, once he knocks on my door, I probably got to give him 15 minutes because he's got to get to the other end of the hallway. But I got to make sure that he's not back to the elevator in time where they can potentially see me. So I didn't talk to my roommate at the time. I'm like, look, man, wifey's here. I got to go see her. I ain't seen her forever. 
and I'm, I want to stay in the room with her. He's like, all right, so this is what we're going to do. We're going to make sure that, you know, when they check the room, we both in here. After that, I'm going to look out for you. I'll cause the diversion, but you got to book it to the stairwell and run down the stairs. <laughs> now, mind you, I'm probably like four rooms away from the from the stairs, so it's a nice little okay. probably like 20-yard sprint. Right. I'm in my regular clothes, mind you, too. Mm-hmm. Security guard probably 10 rooms down. Like, like, we can see him. He can't see us from where we're at unless we're, like, standing in the middle. Right. So, literally, they check the room. All right, boom, we're good. Now, my heart's pumping because I tell you, it's my second year in the league. I'm nervous. I'm like, if I get caught out of my room – Past curfew. If they find me, I'm gonna I'm gonna feel that. I'm gonna cry. They might even like release me or something. Like, I don't know. You just think worst right, case scenario. Right. You're thinking worst case scenario. But at the time, I'm like, <laughs> I can't. I don't have the luxury of waiting until three or four in the morning because I'm like, I still got the game. Right. We're on the West Coast, so like my times because I got to get my sleep and get back up early. Right, right. I also know that my wife probably gonna be asleep if I wait till three in the morning, anyways. Right. So I'm like, dang. All right, here we go, baby. Here we go. So, literally, my man, he he, he puts his head on the door. He's like, Yo, you're good. Man, all I know is he opened that door. I start running. I just want to say, hey. I hit the Dago stairwell. I jet down. I jet down probably two flights of stairs, and I sprint to her room. I couldn't tell you what happened after that. I asked my roommate. I was like, yo, did I get caught? Like, what happened? He was like, look, man, they heard the door shut, but by the time they got back, I had all the lights off. I was like, we were asleep, so you were good. Man, I wanted to hug that man. I was yeah, so happy, bro. Like, you saved the Because yeah, like, he was like, man, you were so loud when you ran through the Dago door. Not not the bedroom door. Right, when like you ran stairwell through the stairwell door. door, it was like, you let it just slay him. <laughs> I was like, yo, I was so worried about getting through that door, though, man, that I never thought, thought of, like, yeah. oh, let me make sure it doesn't slam. You were just, how do I get through that door yeah. as quick as possible? So, literally, the door slammed, <laughs> and I jet down the two flights of stairs to get to the floor where my wife is at, and I went through that way. He's like, bro, if you would have just let, he's like, if you would have just closed the door gracefully, he said they never would have heard you. But he was like, because they heard you do, 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 take it off down the hall and the door slam, they start walking down like, yo, what's, what's going, going on here? On? Yeah. But he was like, man, I had all the lights off, had the bed looking like you was in there. So he was good. <laughs> I'll never forget it. So that's what I always think of. Anytime, that's what teammates are for right listen, there. Listen, man, when I think of anybody talking about sneaking people in, I'm like, hey, I know because I do it with my wife. I, I did it. I did it. All right. I snuck on there. I was nervous. My heart was, I couldn't even sleep good because I was yeah. nervous. That I'm, Someone's going to knock on in, her. In my <laughs> mind, I'm like, oh, they, they searching floor by floor, room by room to see who this person was. And they about to get me. Yeah. Had no clue. No clue. <laughs> but it worked out. I, I didn't get it. fined. Wifey had a good time. I had a good time. We ended up losing the game anyway. So all was good. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Great question there from <laughs> DF. Um... Andrew here once says, uh, says uh, America's team, the Phoenix Suns, I can't believe I didn't play the minus nine on this game. Oh, Shaking man. my head. The Suns are up 19 right now. Yeah, America's dude. team, the Phoenix Suns, about to win their eighth straight. And still not make the playoffs. And still not make the playoffs. <laughs> That's a shame because, you know, tomorrow we'll do a little get that paper. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to like to talk about America's team, the Phoenix Suns. But I tell you what, they got to feel good about next year. Man. That boy Devin Booker can ball. He been been there with the ball. That DeAndre Ayton. <laughs> and they might finally have some nice pieces around him, that's for sure. Easy to go 8-0, and no, hard to go yeah. when it was the full Hard to season. do it over 82 yeah. games. Thrash wants to know, any grilling or smoking plans for this weekend? He says, I'm grilling Thrash burgers myself. Ooh. He says, that's a burger with salt, pepper, and a sweet and hot dry rub. Mm. 
I like that. Okay. I like that too. It's all about the rubs, Motsi. It I, is. I, I'm I'm big on that, man. You know, so my my uh, my wife Morgan, um, she has two brothers, two younger brothers, my mm-hmm. brother-in-laws. Um, one's going to be a senior in high school this year. One's going to be a sophomore in high school this year. So they're 15 and 17. Right. So they're getting to that age. Good you know? age. So good age. They they uh you know anytime that they're with us or if we go out to see them, you know they always like want to like let's grill something, let's you know let's yeah. smoke some meats, you know. And I always tell them, boys, on on the most fundamental level, the difference between good food and bad food is just how you season it. It's really that simple. No, it, it really is. It's seasoning, really that simple. Seasoning makes the world difference. You could be the best. Oh, I know the the the, inter, the, mm-hmm. the, the temperature of this piece mm-hmm. of meat. It does not matter if it is not seasoned the right way, baby. Got to season. But for me, man, let's see. I've been actually, my mother-in-law's in town, so I've been grilling every day. Yeah? Uh, yeah, so we did a wing yesterday. I did. Nice. Man, had some fire lemon pepper wings I ended up doing on the grill. Ooh. Also had a little mango what, what that, Did you use that meat church lemon oh, pepper yes, on those? Is that good? I meant to ask you, it's by the way. Is, super that, is that good? good. Yes. Ooh. Yes, indeed. So I obviously seasoned it beforehand, but when I take them off the grill, when I'm letting them like rest and everything, mm-hmm. I throw a whole again. bunch more on it right then, and it's perfect. Yeah, man. So we did that. Mm. Um, let's see what else we got on the list, though, man. We got steaks today. Uh, uh, chicken breast we're going to do tomorrow. Nice. Probably going to do ribs uh, some Saturday at some point. Yeah, man. This past weekend, I did my first rack of spare ribs on the smoker. Mm. So I had done, okay, I had yeah. done like St. Louis baby backs, right, right. and that's, I had done country ribs. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did spares for the first time, and I really liked them. Okay. They really turned out well. I like um, And then that was that was Saturday, and then Sunday this past weekend, I did a whole chicken. I, I smoked Ooh, a whole chicken. Okay. So this weekend, I'll probably, I'm definitely going to do some wings. Mm. Wifey has already requested some wings. I don't know. I might do a brisket on Sunday too, like Motsi. It. it might be uh it I might like be brisket time. My mom so my parents have a Costco membership, right? Yeah, yeah it's undefeated. undefeated. That's where we get ours from. Morgan yeah. and I don't have a Costco membership because it's just the two of us. Yes, you know, like yes. uh, belonging to you, Costco. You, you need a family of five for Costco. Right. Before you, before you get have, your money's when worth. When you don't have any kids, yes. when it's just you and your wife, belonging to Costco yeah. doesn't make much sense. But I was talking to my mom and I think Saturday morning her and I are gonna go to Costco. So I'm gonna buy me a brisket. Yeah, and I'm gonna let that thing. I'm gonna Speaking let that thing chicken, smoke on Sunday. It's funny you said that you could do some chicken. I said anytime I do wings now, my son he comes out there, young Gray. He's like, Dad, are you doing my wings? Because he's like his favorite. He's like, Yo, it, does he have his own style he likes? Yeah. Well, so I'll just literally just season it for him. Okay. So I I treat it just like we have Buffalo Wild Wings. You got your regular seasoned ones. You got your lemon pepper. You got mm-hmm. your mango habanero. You got your hot hot. You got mm-hmm. your buffalo style. Yeah, my man, he's always like, Dad, those are my wings right there, huh? I'm like, yep, I got you, big fella. I got you. I love it. I love it. Uh, And last one, Brandon says here, uh, another Ben Roethlisberger throwing video posted on Steelers Twitter where we can't see where the ball is going in a short (laughs) clip. Just roll with it, baby. (laughs) He said, I can't wait to see where the ball is going in the future. Still excited for this year. (laughs) Just roll with it. Don't ask questions, right? Just think happy thoughts. Don't worry about the details and the minutia, all right? It's good. Just know it's good. Arthur Motes, that'll do it for the show today. A uh, oh, big shout man. out. Thanks to our buddy Brian Backo for joining us, as he always does on Thursdays. And uh, thanks to everybody who chimed in on Twitter. Yins know we love the participation. So let's do it again tomorrow on a Friday. We'll have a little bit of fun on a Friday. What say you, Motes? Does that sound good to you? It sounds pretty good to me. I'm not complaining. All right. Well, up next, you got Mike Pursuta, Dale Lolly, and Matt Williamson. It's the training camp report. So two more hours of live coverage here on SNR to finish out the day. Don't go anywhere. All right, let's get out of here. Let's hit the music. We'll be back tomorrow at 3 o'clock. So we'll talk the ends then. Same time.
and same place. You know where to find us. As always, it's on your 24-7 home of the black and gold Steelers Nation Radio.